Hey guys, it's Ashley here to give you the spoiler warning for this episode of A Well-Read Dame's Podcast. We're doing another book club episode. We're going to discuss A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. If you have not read A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss, uh, this is your warning so that you can pause this episode and uh, don't get spoilers because this is a great book. Uh, Thank you guys. I hope you enjoy the episode. And welcome to this episode of the Well Read Dames podcast. I'm Ashley. I'm Susie. I'm Alicia. And we are here to talk about A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Moss. Yay! The dirtiest book she's written that I've read to date. <laughs> I know. It was extra dirty. Like, they fun. definitely had the most sex of everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Yeah. I was, we'll talk about it. <laughs> um, and, and yet... And yet, I don't know. Um, it was very exciting. It was very good. But before we get into that book, Nesta's book story here, uh, do you want to do some housekeeping items, which is what are we reading next? And we're going to get into our first series. Um, and that is going to be the Caravel series by Stephanie Garber. Um, so we're going to start with Caravel, which is the first book in that series. And then the second book is Legendary. And then the third book is called Finale. Very so. such a good series. So I'm excited for you guys to read it with me. Alicia loves it. It is her pick. <laughs> which is which is fair and fine. I feel like uh the Lunar Chronicles was Susie's pick. Um and then Caravel is Alicia's pick, and then my pick will be the Folk of the Air. And that and then we'll then we'll start again with Siri picks. Series sure. picks, not picks of Siri. Um uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I uh, I'm excited. I'd only I've read the first book, but I need to reread it because it was over a year ago, and I did really like it. I already have I I have strong opinions about some of the characters uh, from book one already. So so we'll see. But I don't want to spoil it for for Sue's. So, but you will not like everyone. But then also you will like them. I think later, <laughs> based on fan art that I've seen. I like when characters grow and evolve, so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's growth in this, in this series. I hope so. Um, so, but it is very, it's a very fun and confusing ride. So, and it may make you never want to go to, like, a carnival again. I don't know. <laughs> I've really been a big fan, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was never that into it, so. But this book is really, really exciting. I remember the imagery is really pretty, so. I am excited to get into that series. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of, that's our main housekeeping items because we're going to keep it short because we have a lot to unpack in this book. This is a big book. <laughs> yeah, and I actually read it. I physically read it. I'm so glad. I'm so excited because apparently the Audible version was not very good, unfortunately. Yeah, I've heard it was so bad. Like the reviews, many of them said, uh, I can't even look at this author anymore because of the <laughs> because of the video or the audio book. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. So after after you gave us that feedback that the Audible was giving bad reviews, I went and I read like the Audible reviews, mm-hmm. and I was just blown away by them. You know, it was like all the female voices sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were so many things that I was yeah. I was like surprised. So I hope like. I know it would be a big ask at this point, but I hope they re-record it with someone else. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe like whoever did the other 
audible yeah. was always different people but like maybe going back to one of those that was successful and being like yo like let me i don't know up. why they did it yeah both of the they had two different people and they were amazing um so i don't know what happened there but yeah i mean i think what somebody even said that you can like hear her dogs in the background <laughs> and like you can hear her coughing and it's like uh yeah i'll just i'll try to read and i thought it would be hard but it wasn't like I, it was easy. And I think I maybe even liked it a little bit better. So yeah. it opened my eyes and now I'm really confused. <laughs> yes. I, well, my only thing, and I, I told you about this before is when I heard a clip of it because Sarah J Moss, the author kept posting clips of the audiobook to Instagram, like just little scenes. And I remember there was one, and it was at the very beginning when they get to the house of wind and it's when Cassie's like, this is where your room is. And my room is up here. He just kind of like tells her where he's at as well. And she's like, I don't know why we need to know that. Like that's how Nesta says it in my head because she's very fucking angry at this point in the book. And she's Nesta. And the the audiobook was like, I don't know why I would need to know that. I was like, Nesta's never sounded that fucking nice in her whole life. You know? (laughs) There was no bite to it. There was nothing. And I was just like, okay, I don't like the audible immediately. Yeah, I, as you guys know, I don't do Audible just because I, it's just not my jam. I like to read the books myself, which is fine, but I have learned from people that do it, like, depending on the person that's reading it, they can definitely, like, change your opinions on the characters, because they're, like, voicing it, versus when you read it yourself, you're, like, reading it as yourself. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but yeah, Yeah. I'm wondering if your view on Nest is completely different, because, like, we read her, like, more angry, and maybe it wasn't as angry in the I mean, I think she she came off pretty angry in the first book, but yeah, I am, I've started trying to analyze that, like, how I view things, and so I am, I think I am going to try to read most everything now, just because of that, but probably not everything, because I still have to do a lot of stuff, so (laughs) I like Audible because I can multitask. Absolutely. The Folk of the Air series is apparently very good on Audible, so I, I will say that. I don't know about the Caramel series on Audible, but... I don't know either. We'll get it's, the reviews, I guess. <laughs> I will. If you get a good one, I mean, I think it makes it an amazing experience. So obviously, this we're off topic, kind of, but um, it's not off topic. It's about books. But uh, there are some really amazing ones, like The Golden Compass. I, I don't ever want to read that book. I only want to hear it because it's like a play and they have actors. But yeah, if it's not just one person with their dog walking around, it's like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Your audible book recording shouldn't sound like our podcast, okay? Like, <laughs> and like I'm not like I don't know. Like, is it because of quarantine? Like, this person did it at home. Do they normally go to a studio and do this? I Most don't... people have studios in their house. Mm-hmm. This lady should have a studio in her house. Oh, anyway, okay. there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully they re-record it or fix it or something. Just because I know a lot of people love Audible, and I like I have all the other books on my Audible. Uh, from the Accord of Thorns and Roses series. And so I'm kind of bummed that I'm not burning a credit on this book. You know what I mean? Like I want to have all of them for those road trips or when I ever, if I ever go to work again and have to drive to Cincinnati, like that's a four hour round trip day for me in the car. And it's really nice to listen to you an audiobook. Yeah, absolutely. So instead, you know, I don't, I just don't have this one yet. So um so let us begin um so the beginning of this book is kind of catch up 
uh, from A Court of Frost and Starlight. And I think that, well, one, authors generally kind of do some, some kind of recap at the beginning of their books in a series, which isn't always my favorite thing, but I know it's easy to forget things, especially when there's like two years between releases. But I also specifically thought in this one, it was probably so much because A Court of Frost and Starlight was like a novella, basically. And it wasn't a part of the core trilogy. So what if someone hadn't read that book? They'd stopped with Wings and Ruin and then they picked up this. They would have no idea what transpired during Frost and Starlight. And I say read Frost and Starlight and move on. But yeah. <laughs> so instead the first like six, three to six chapters were a lot of recap of Frost and Starlight, I felt like. And I think that made it a little harder to get into because it was stuff I'd read before. But um, I was also very excited because I knew what was coming. <laughs> uh, I didn't mind the recap just because I have such a bad memory. Right, right. So it was kind of nice, but um, I, I didn't understand. remember everything. I just remembered her getting called into basically the office and Farah reading her her rights and yeah. being like, we're shipping you off. <laughs> and I think this was a little bit more involved than what we got in Frost and Starlight 2, which was good. You know what I mean? So it wasn't exactly like page for page or anything like that. Um, so it was nice to have a little expansion on what was transpiring additionally, you know. Exactly. So basically, just kind of summarize that part, because we already kind of covered it last podcast where we chatted Frost and Starlight as well, um, which, if you want to hear those, they're like from 2018. They You just have to scroll back in our podcast episodes, but we did uh, each one for the books. So all of A Court of Thorns and Roses is there. And we're not kind to Nesta, at least Alicia and I are not. Uh, Susie's more forgiving of Nesta. So um, I'm glad I didn't extremely regret that in this book <laughs> in that we saw Nesta's journey because like that's what I was hoping going into this book was that Sarah J Moss could take a character I despised and make me at least sympathize with her ideally like her um and that took a while but she got there so I was excited about it but we start off with Nesta really at rock bottom I would say <laughs> she's living in the slums of Valaris, which are apparently not at all slums, but for Valaris are slums. Um, so she's living in some cold, sad apartment where she refuses to light fires. <laughs> she's going to the bars every night, drinking herself sick and fucking any male around that she can find. Mm -hmm. And and all of this is in an attempt to basically forget and to dampen the feeling inside of herself which is just like pure pain and also self-hatred what'd you say self-hatred self-loathing a lot yeah. of self-loathing but i also think it was also physical pain from the cauldron mm -hmm. as well um because she took the cauldron's power when she was made and she does not have a handle on it at all um and so it's just kind of burning inside of her as well and a lot of a lot of self-hatred because she blames herself for a lot of things so uh Cassian grabs her for, he doesn't grab her but he gets her out of <laughs> out of there and drags her down to the palace um to talk to Feyre and Reese. and she knows she's in trouble she she is aware <laughs> that she's just been because she's living on their tab right they're paying for her place they're paying for her activities like she doesn't have a job she's just supported by them 
um, as a member of the court slash fair sister. And it's at the point where, I, what is she, did she buy like everyone around or something? She had some ridiculous- bar, like more than one round, like it was an exorbitant amount. So what we found out in this version is that <laughs> that morning, Reese had gotten the tab for Nesta's night adventures. <laughs> and he basically was like, Feyre, this is it. Like, we're not doing this anymore. She's not getting better because Feyre has been letting her go through her shit to try and work through it and heal on her own because she doesn't want anything to do with Feyre. So Feyre is trying to let her figure herself out. Um, and Reese basically is like, no more. <laughs> no more of this. So she gets drug into the palace and basically the conversation is we're not doing this anymore all of your shit is getting packed up as we speak you don't live in the slums anymore you're going to go live in the house of wind with cassian and asriel and you're going to train at the illyrian mountains in the vineyard in the morning and then you're going to work in the library in the afternoon and you're going to do this until we see improvement and if you don't want to do this, you have a choice. If you don't want to do it, uh, or if you refuse, uh, we will drop you in the human lands and you are no longer our problem, essentially. <laughs> yep. Just like this is pretty fair because they had even throughout like offered her jobs, like not like hard jobs, but jobs like t within their like roles as royals or whatever, just to be like, hey, like earn a living, like even um, Elaine have a little bit of a job like she tends to the gardens in the area you know what I mean like not a big job something she enjoys and gets paid for uh but like she wanted none of it she just wanted to just I don't know she hated them I think she like envied them and it was just kind of like on top of all of her emotions where she was just very self-destructive in using them because she knew she could and she wanted to kind of push them as far as she could she thought there was like a, a limitless amount how far she could go so I was like really glad that they clapped back and were like, no, <laughs> this is too far. Like also everyone here knows who you are and like are looking at us for allowing you to behave this way. Like this isn't great. <laughs> you know? You're embarrassing us. <laughs> yeah. Like in typical role of fashion, most people would be removed from the site if you kept acting this way or silenced. You know what I mean? So oh, or silenced. Um <laughs> Hopefully not that dramatic. Yeah, um, I I liked it because, I mean, it's really kind of a wake up call, and I and I felt bad for Feyre during this because it's obvious she's just trying to help her sister, and she doesn't know how to help her sister at all. And she even had made Nesta a room in the palace, like she wanted her to live there with them, and Nesta refused to even help her decorate it. Um, so she's she's really been like a thing I really liked in this book, uh, which is a theme, which is reaching out your hand to someone that is struggling. And like Alicia said, pushing people away on purpose because they are hurt and they're being self-destructive behavior-wise. And I really like the theme of, you know, just keep trying, basically. Just keep trying to reach them. And eventually at some point, hopefully it will work. So I feel like Fair had been reaching out her hand over and over again. <laughs> and Nesta just slaps it away and is like, I hate you. And she's really mean to Feyre in this book. And that was really hard for me because I love Feyre so much. Um, but she was really mean to her. And more than once, I think this is probably one of the first times, she keeps referring to all of like everything Feyre has, which I mean, the first three books are Feyre's story and we see her go through it. And Nesta is not really part of most of it. 
Uh, so she didn't see fear go through the things that we've seen. But um, I mean, I imagine she's heard about it. <laughs> but you know, she's like, everything you have is your husband's, like, none of this is yours, you know, like, by your palace, you mean your husband's palace, and by your money, you mean your husband's money, like, it's very much, like, she continually throws that, like, everything Farah has is only because of Reese, and I'm like, everything Farah has is because of what Farah did, and the only reason Reese is free from under the mountain at all is because Farah literally died to get him out, and everyone out, you know, so, like, Nesta wasn't there, so how about we stop trying to make Feyre feel bad? <laughs> yeah. So, can I say something? Oh, please. Um, I was only half listening, because I was trying to look up the names of some other characters, but I'll get to that later, but, um, but I mean, I, and this, I, you all get this, I think, but to me, the reason she was extra mean to Farah was because she feels even more self-loathing towards Farah about, or about how she treated Farah when they were growing up and that she couldn't help her and everything. I feel like she doubles down on her meanness to Feyre because she's like, if I stop and think about how good you are and how much I love you and how much I hurt you, then I just would never get back up again. So I, I don't love that she was mean to her, but it's also like, I kind of get it. Not that Feyre deserved it, but it made sense to me. I, I get it, but I don't even think she can recognize that. I think she recognizes that as the book. Oh, goes. she didn't know why she was doing it. No, yeah. <laughs> it took her a while to see that for what it was. But, like, early on, it was definitely just, like, constant lashing out just to lash out. Which I get, like, siblings don't always see eye to eye. And I feel like, I know, right? Looking at you, Ash. <laughs> but especially, like, during their upbringing, clearly, like, Elaine was the one that was, like, protected by Nesta and so like I don't know Feyre was just kind of cast aside she's a younger one but she like also rose above it and like fought and sacrificed and kind of like earned where she is also in a way whereas like Nesta's just always kind of taken the easy way out and Elaine also in a way kind of had that same like luck I guess uh if you will call it that but I think like deep down she's resentful and like jealous almost that like she didn't do more you know what I mean like she knows she's capable but like also she's like a stubborn ass who doesn't want to do <laughs> anything so she's very complex but I feel like she evolves thankfully and I would say Elaine I feel like in this book really I loved Elaine in this book yeah oh really I hated Elaine in this book <laughs> no I love that she's herself to Nesta for like the first time in her entire life because yeah. You at least point. And Nesta, her entire focus was always protecting Elaine and taking care of Elaine and loving Elaine. Like that was her whole thing when they were mortals. And even especially after they were turned Fae was Nesta's goal in life was to protect Elaine and make sure Elaine was okay. But I think that by doing that, she essentially held Elaine back as well because Elaine, we haven't seen her really kind of break out or break free um, and there's a scene where Elaine visits, there's more than one scene, where Elaine visits Nesta and it basically kind of tells her, like, I'm not, like, a little fucking child, like, you can leave me alone, like, I'm fine without you, I'm doing great without you, you know, <laughs> and you weren't helping me and you think, you know, and the, Nesta insults her about going to, like, do her little gardening and she's like, at least I'm doing something, you <laughs> know. At least I am participating in some way 
I'm sorry you don't care for it, but I'm trying, you know? <laughs> and so I, like, I don't love Elaine um, sister-wise, but I also didn't love Nesta either, really. Um, but I just, when Elaine stood up for herself twice in this book to Nesta, it made me really happy because I feel like Nesta needs that. And I feel like it helped their relationship too, because they can't, you can't be equals with each other um, by treating each other the way they did. So. And another thing too, is like, they all have traumas. They're all buried, but they all have these traumas they've gone through. And like Feyre, she figured her shit out. You know what I mean? Like she learned how to like use her powers, how to fight, how to defend herself. And then also like art was her way of also kind of working through this among other things. And like Elaine, yeah, she might not be training, but like gardening, I feel like for her it's cathartic. Like it's a way for her to like kind of like regain herself and try to figure her stuff out. But like Nesta's just, she's just been doing it like by drinking and fucking, which I get it. Some people, that's how they do it, but they usually come out of it. Like you don't just keep spiraling because of point, like if it's all you're doing, like you're probably just going to die at some point. Like it's not going to end well for you. So I like that Farah is trying by ordering her to do this. Like she's like, okay, I think these are things that helped me fighting and also like going to the library. Like this is like another place where women go to heal. And so I think this will be really good for her to help break down those barriers. So I really like the forced options on Nesta because I think they know like if she like gives in and actually works towards it, like she'll actually start to heal, which is going to make a huge difference for her. And they were right. <laughs> so obviously Nesta's not going to take to her intervention well. No. Most people don't take to interventions well, if anyone ever watched the show Interventions. Uh, <laughs> generally, generally pretty upsetting stuff. So uh, Cassian takes her to the House of Wind, and their relationship has been pretty damaged since the winter solstice before. They haven't really talked where she refused his winter solstice gift, and then he chucked it in the Cedra. Um, so things between them aren't 100% great either. And she's not happy at all that he's there or that anywhere near her, essentially. I remember that she 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 said that she wished that he would drop her and that she could fall instead of having to like be held by her as the, he flew her into the house of wind. Um, and I thought that that was interesting because I was like, you're in love. <laughs> <laughs> but Nesta is not in love right now. Um, so the training begins and, and also Nesta's not eating. That's very important doing everything she can to not take care of herself and be self-destructive and so um I love that oh I hate like oatmeal and porridge so much just those sorts of foods gross me out but they are very hearty and good for you uh so I understand it just texturally I cannot get on board and in the morning for training like she refuses dinner and then he's like you're gonna want to eat this gruel <laughs> so because you're gonna need your strength to train and she's, she's basically like, I don't need strength for shit. Because when they get to the Illyrian Mountains, guess who sits down and doesn't train? <laughs> it's Nesta. Of course. Is anyone surprised by this? No. It's the great no. thing I expected from her. It's just basically throw like a little tantrum and think, I'm going to sit on this rock. Mm. Oh, it made me so mad. Because I think the way it was worded was that you have to go, not that you have to participate. And Nesta was like, I'm meeting my requirements by just sitting here and watching Cassian go through his training moves. 
And then also, which makes me so mad, and she acknowledges it, but she still doesn't get off her ass during these moments when she's sitting for, like, several days of this, at least, mm-hmm. uh, is her watching, like, the commanders of the Alolian army basically, like, talk shit to, you know, um, casting for not being able to, like, manage this woman, essentially. And he's just, like... I don't know. Obviously, they don't respect him because they think he's, like, a bastard and all this kind of crap, but just, like, knowing that, like, he's being talked to this way because of her, and she still doesn't do anything to, like, even try to make it right, it just, like, irks me. Because, like... Yeah, but... Yeah, but what would they have said if she did actually get up and train? I... This is the part where, honestly, I think it was real stupid (laughs) to take her in with all of these dicks that later prove their dickishness um, and their murderous intent, uh they knew that there was a training facility in the house that she lived in so why did they think it was a good idea they had to know she was gonna just sit like well and i also during all this i was just like why aren't you just taking her to like where you guys trained with Farah? you know what i mean because i know that like nest is a very prideful bitch like that's just her thing i get it i'm prideful sometimes not gonna lie um and doing this in front of people that are gonna humiliate you and like whatever like I get it that like I could see her just being like "Mm -mm, nope not gonna like have all these people watch me fail and laugh at me because that's just gonna like make me not want to do anything but even if she'd just done something you know even it was just like a simple like attempt to do like a stretching exercise you know what I mean just to kind of show and she could have even said like is there anywhere else we can do this like she could have but she didn't because it's Nesta and I I agree that this was not the best idea I understand thinking, you know, Cassian is in charge of the Illyrians, like he's their commander. He should be able to keep them in line, <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> but at the same time, like even when they first arrive, the one guy whose name I don't remember and it's not important is essentially like any weapon she touched must be buried. Like yeah. a woman is not allowed to touch our weapons. And if if they do, if, if she does, they're cursed and they must be buried. He's like, especially because she's a witch it must be buried and burned or something. And so it obviously wasn't going to go well because the the Illyrian males have extreme issues with females in general. And that has been prevalent with, with Feyre. Um, Did, you might've already said this, but I think his first question was, are you bleeding or whatever? It's like, okay, that's gross. Exactly. Oh, and it's just horrible. It's just horrible. So it, it was not a place she was going to be welcome. So even if this was a place where her main concern was just being humiliated, and I understand that. I mean, you're vulnerable when you don't know what you're doing and you have to, you, you're risking making an ass of yourself to try anything new, anything. And so it's, there's always a hint of fear and potential humiliation um, for, for anyone trying something new. And so for Nesta, especially, who's very prideful, the idea of falling on her ass in front of anyone is probably not going to go well, especially a bunch of Illyrian males that are rooting for her to fail um, vocally. And essentially Cassian's going to, it's what, it's what, it's not on Cassian to make them stop, you know? Um, So I was mad that she didn't train just because then Cassian was humiliated which I saw coming and that was sad. Um, but one good thing does come out of these many trips to the Illyrian mountains where she refuses to train, uh, which is that's where she meets Emery. Yay. 
I love Emery, you guys. Emery was really sweet. And like, that was one, I agree with you. Like meeting her was great because between all the spew, like that these guys were saying about like the bleeding and the tools and all that crap. Like she also learned like how far little length they've gone over the years and how like not progressive the Lillians are. And then meeting Emery, like we learned that like her dad clipped her wings, even though it was these legals when Reese was under the mountain and you know, it was only 50 years, but still like that was basically 50 years where they could do what they wanted and not have very much, um, you know, get in trouble essentially for their kind of behavior. So I feel like she also kind of, she finally got to learn a little bit because like, even though she's fae, she doesn't like still obviously embrace it. Like she's still very against it. Like I'm a human, like I don't want anything to do with this, but it's kind of like forcing her to learn a little bit more about like the Faye kind and the Illyrians and other things. So I feel like it's also growing for her there, but then meeting Emery too and kind of seeing how she's being treated as a woman. And they kind of like lights a little bit of a fire in her and like they make like kind of friendship, which is nice because in theory, Emery doesn't completely know who she is. Even if she does, she's not letting on that she knows who she is. So she's like being kind to Nesta, which is kind of nice for Nesta because she's feeling like she's making a friend and not being treated as like, you know, Feyre's sister or the fuck up, you know? So. I think a lot of this book for Nesta is being able to make her own first impression with people. Yeah, I agree. Because she doesn't get to make her own first impression with anyone in the Night Court because everyone knew Feyre and then through extension knew Nesta. So there wasn't a way for her to kind of hide the things that she's ashamed of with the Night Court. She couldn't, she couldn't go in and be like, oh, I was treated Feyre great and we were best friends and... I never made her go find us food in the woods while I sat around the fire. You know, I, I that never happened. <laughs> um, so with that, like all of her worst traits and things she's done have kind of been laid bare with everyone. And then at that point, you kind of have to accept and forgive them and move forward. But with new people, they they don't know anything about her. Maybe they know that she's Feyre's sister and she's a member of the Night Court. But luckily, this is good PR management. Um, Reese and Feyre haven't told everyone Nesta's dirty deeds, you know? <laughs> They're not like, this is my sister, the hot mess, who's a total bitch, <laughs> you know? And she's really mean. And also you shouldn't trust her because she's bitchy, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, you want to get laid, just get her real drunk and she'll go over like, they're not like assholes about it. They kind of keep it on the DL, which is- Yeah, like, good, you know? because of love, because of love probably. Like, no, exactly. They don't want her name to be dragged through the mud or anything, so- yeah, so when she meets Emery, you know, Emery, I think, pretty early on admits that she knows who she is, uh, because she's confused, because Nesta's freezing cold, like, she's in these leathers, she's, it's very cold there, and she's very cold, it's obvious, and Emery, and they have a conversation about getting Nesta maybe some fur-lined leathers that would keep her a little bit warmer uh, when she's, when she's visiting and stuff, and um, and Marie's like, well, I'll have to, I'll inquire about how much it will cost to get it started. And then I'll, you know, I'll just send the bill to Reese, you know, that's the plan. I'll just send it to the night court. And um, poor Nest has been cut off financially. <laughs> and so, yeah, so she kind of admit, uh, kind of admits that a little bit to Emery that, you know, she's currently cut off and Emery's confused. And she's like, I thought Reese and Paige, you guys really well. Um, and she's like, he, do he does, yeah, but not me, not right now. And, and Emery's nice enough that she doesn't inquire further. She's not, she's not like, why is your brother-in-law cut you off financially? Because <laughs> um, it's not really her business. 
So yeah, so their friendship kind of begins and I really like that. She brings her teas because I mean, living in the Illyrian Mountains sounds really hard life-wise. Like they don't have, it's winter all the time. They don't have access to plants and resources. So a lot of the things that are in Valaris easily because it's a city, they just aren't available in like this tiny outpost in the mountains essentially. Uh, so poor Emery is making do, uh, running a shop by herself and it's just been hard. So Nesta noticed that and sends her like nice teas and salts and spices and things like that. So I feel like Emery's like, I would say the first character we see Nesta be nice to and kind of begin to cultivate a friendship with. But it's tenuous because obviously Emery is hesitant living in Illyria. And as Alicia said, her wings are clipped. She's not been treated well by people or her family. Um, so why should she trust anyone, let alone Nesta, Archeron, you know? <laughs> exactly. See, I never, I don't know, it never came across to me that she didn't trust her. Um, cause I, I feel like at some point, I don't remember if it was her or Gwen, but somebody brought up the fact that she killed the, whatever, the Highland. Highburn. The bad guy. Yeah, Highburn. Um, it might, was it Emery? I don't know. But, um, I don't know. I kind of got that their friendship bloomed pretty quickly, but, but I didn't, I don't know. I didn't for some reason think that it was going to turn into what it did. I thought it was just going to be like, oh, every once in a while she'd show up. So I was pleasantly surprised that it turned into what it did. Well, I think at one point too, I can't remember exactly where this is at with the training there in Illyria versus like them visiting, but um, one of Emery's cousins, I think, um, shows up and basically kind of like tries to threaten her to like, close the shop because she's a woman and it shouldn't be in there and basically her dad's dead which is why like she was able to own the shop which is in Reese's old mom's house and I think Reese also gave it like her the ability to be like a shop owner and to like conduct her own business where even though like the, the Illyrians don't like it because she's a woman but like he basically is just trying to threaten her and all this crap and she's like standing up to him being like no like can't do this and he's acting like very drunk and like a fool and Nest is there observing it. You know what I mean? And I can't remember if she eventually kind of like shows her like um, power a little bit. I think she kind of like shows and kind of scares him off a little bit. But yeah, so she's like seeing different sides of how like, okay, yeah, her life wasn't all that great. But you know what? There's other people out there that have their own problems too. And yet they're still treating others with kindness and doing the best that they can. And I think it's kind of like a lesson for her that like, you know maybe she should kind of look back on herself and reflect a little bit like does she always need to lash out at people like clearly others are navigating without doing the same um but I feel like they, they kind of grow a little closer in that moment too um with her defending him her against him yeah and I agree and maybe before when I said that she didn't trust Nesta isn't the right words instead and I meant more that she's guarded understandably she's a guarded person yeah. that, that yes that doesn't want to be like, here's all of my vulnerabilities at one time. <laughs> Don't okay. feel bad for me. I'm doing the best I can. Um, but I really, really like Emery. Does someone want to speak? And I have plans for her long-term in my theory section, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, does it involve uh, more? You know, it does involve more. <laughs> okay. I'm going to call this book series, Everyone Gets an Illyrian. Uh, except for Elaine. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know. Let's back to that, but yes. We'll change Illyrian Mountains one made at a time, you know? <laughs> so, so yeah, so I really, I have plans for, for Emory. Uh, does someone want to talk about the library in general in Gwen? I love Gwen. I can. Um, so after she does her training or lack thereof, the Lunar War Camp, her next task is to go to the library where she meets with Clotho, who is pretty much in charge of it. And as a kind of a recap, um, Reese created this as a safe space for women who have been, you know, abused, injured, whatever. They're seeking safe haven. They can be here and men aren't allowed and like no one's really allowed to the library unless they grant it essentially. Um, so it's kind of like a safe space to keep them from being harmed essentially. Um, so she meets with Clotho and of course Clotho knows who she is and um, she's obviously been through some shit because like her tongue's cut out basically so she can't speak. So she always has to write everything down and her hands are super like broken and gnarled and stuff. So it's definitely once again, a thing that Nessa's like, oh shit, you know what I mean? Like something bad's happened to her, you know, way worse than me, I guess. Um, but anyway, so she has to do this task of shelving books and she was like, seriously, you expect me to like push this cart with books to <laughs> which is just the best. Um, and she's like, uh-huh. So she does it. She, I'm proud of her for at least doing it because she once again is realizing like, okay, like this is what I'm told I need to do. Like I need to participate in something. So she does it and it's kind of funny because some other priestesses see the cart that's now empty and they're like oh we don't need these books anymore and they're like put them in the cart which is what you do at a library um so it's like her job <laughs> to continue restacking books while she's there um and I'm trying to remember at what point she meets Gwen but I think she kind of hears like a humming or something and she comes across Gwen um who is looking for a book for um oh what is her name Meryl Meryl. Yeah, she works with Meryl, who's kind of like a scholar, but I don't think it's quite the word there. But she's doing all this research on um, the Valkyries. The Valkyries, thank you. Um, and so she's like looking for a book that she was supposed to um, have for her and she realized she didn't, she got, gave her the wrong book. So she's asking Nesta like, hey, have you seen this book at all? Um, and Nesta's like, nope. And so that's kind of where their friendship kind of begins a little bit. Like they'd run into each other, I think, briefly beforehand um and I'm kind of I'm running low well, Susie take it I think they're I don't remember exactly what but in their first interaction they both kind of had their not for their claws up like I don't remember what happened but like they they had an exchange but then at the end of it Nesta was like okay I can I can roll with this girl like she's not some wilting flower which I appreciated um but then, yeah, I think the second time they run into each other is when it's the the book debacle. And I think at this point, Clotho had already said something to, um, well, magically written out something to Nesta about how Gwen works with a really demanding person. And, uh, you know, <laughs> at that, I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever, demanding person. And then you find out she's just an utter horrible, bitchy person. I hated her. But... Um, Meryl, not Gwen. So anyway, so we we find out how demanding Meryl is and she's freaking out and she's really upset. And um, I think after she talks to her Nesta, she doesn't even really think about it. She's like, well, I'm gonna help her. 
Yeah. And she just, she just goes and, oh, we haven't even talked about the house. So yes. the house, which I love, is a whole character in and of itself. And I love it so much. The house gives her things and like food has always appeared for everybody. I think that's always happened, but it started like doing extra for her and like Cassian keeps walking in on her talking. He's like, are you talking to the house? That doesn't work. And she's like, it gave me a book. So it does work. It likes romance novels, which I love. Um, so she's like, why not try it? So she asks for the book and it plops behind her and she's like, okay, cool. Um, and we'll get it, we'll get into this later, but just in case I forget to say it, I love the explanation of how the house came to like her and like, I mean, it's not a secret. She made the house basically, right? Is that what you guys understood? Yes, but like the house okay. has its own power and it grants like what you want. Like for most people, it's like, I want food and a fire or whatever. But what right. Nesta wanted was a friend. Yes. yes. So she made it into a friend. I love that so much. I made it. So, yeah. yeah. So she took the book. She went to Mayo's office. Uh, she switched out the book. I still don't understand why it was such a big deal. Like, I don't get that, but it was a big deal. And then it, I think it bites her in the butt later, right? Like, I think Meryl comes and yells at her, but whatever, it's stupid, whatever. But basically, all of this is how she forges her friendship with Gwen, because Gwen is very happy and uh, happy with Nesta, mm -hmm. helping her out. Um, I also love that she keeps finding Gwen, like, singing songs and humming to herself. And I think Gwen is maybe my favorite. Yeah. Um, but I really just like the combination of the three of them together, Gwen, Emery, and... Um, I agree. And I feel like one thing, too, about Gwen that's different than the other priestesses that are there is that, like, one thing Nesta knows as well is that she doesn't wear her hood up, and she also doesn't wear the stone on her forehead like they do. Because she, she doesn't feel like she's worthy. Yeah, but she doesn't feel like she's worthy of it. But she has her, like, face exposed and everything, whereas a lot of the other priestesses don't, um, which is their choice, you know what I mean? And just as a true choice, but I think it kind of is something that, you know... Um, Nesta kind of notices is different about her. She seems a little bit more like bright, like happy, sunshiny kind of like personality bubbly compared to the other ones that kind of don't play, pay her a lot of like notice because well, Nesta's not always the nicest person still. So they kind of like go about their way and just kind of avoid I her. don't even know if it has to do with that. I think it's, I mean, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. You're wrong, Alicia. But, no, you're right. No, I, I get it. My interpretation was they stayed away from her because they just didn't like strangers because with Gwen she went through some shit like oh I can't even imagine but she's been in there for two years and it sounds like most everybody else has been in there for 50 60 even 100 years yeah. so I would be like living in a dark basement or wherever they live mm -hmm. for 50 years after having been brutalized I mean it makes it makes sense but um absolutely and plus they're all priestesses a lot I mean they kind of come to that where it's like she doesn't live there like she doesn't stay there like she comes to it but it's not like she like lives in their dormitory you know what i mean like she oh, you mean Nesta. above it she, she yeah. leaves the place whereas they don't like it's just a Correct. little different where it's like she is a little bit of an outsider i agree um whereas they a lot of them are scared to leave it once they've entered it they're terrified um and she doesn't really have that fear necessarily so that there is that stark difference between them for sure 
I would like to say that the library sounded fucking lovely to me. Like, it just sounded lovely. Just, like, a safe place to just, like, hang out with books all day. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I I think that it was really thoughtful of Reese and Favorite to make that part of Nesta's chores that she has to do, essentially, because they know that she loves reading and she loves books and that people would leave her alone if she needed to be left alone. I don't think any of them thought she was going to make friends, honestly. (laughs) I don't think that even factored in. Uh, But just a safe, that recognizing that Nesta needed a safe space to do a task and feel like she was participating um, in a community, even even if it was a community of really reserved priestesses that generally talked to her, she was doing her part just like everyone else. And I felt like that was probably really cathartic and it just sounds really nice. <laughs> and I think that Meryl will probably play a part maybe. I felt like Meryl's a character that will play a part later. I agree. She's the daughter of the wind or something. I don't know. Um, she has like a wind power. And the one time we really do see her is when she does accost essentially Gwen and the library for bringing her the wrong book. And then Nesta stands up to her and is shows like she has the ability of kind of showing her power to an extent that her eyes will like turn into silver flames essentially. Um, And she kind of does that a little bit with Meryl and Meryl backs away and is like, all right, fine. I don't actually want to fight with this person and then leaves. So will Meryl come in in the future? Probably, maybe, I don't know. I kind of hope so. And I hope it's on like our side instead of, you know, because Meryl's been, we don't know what Meryl's been through, but she's also a priestess in the library for a reason. Um, So even though she's rough around the edges, uh, but I really liked Gwen. Um, Should we talk a little bit about Gwen's backstory? So back in the original A Court of Thorns and Roses series, there is a, oh, I can't think of what it's called, a temple, that's a temple, that has the, that houses the feet of the cauldron. So not the cauldron itself, but it had the feet of the cauldron at the temple. And it was like a peaceful place for goddesses, uh, not goddesses, but priestesses, right, to live in peace and all that stuff. And so um, that's where Gwen and her sister live. And was it her twin sister? It was her twin yeah. sister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where Gwen and her in there. Right. So that's where Gwen and her twin sister lived in peace and happiness and all that good stuff. Um, and then suddenly, Highburn soldiers came to take the cauldron feet, is what they were looking for. Um, and they did. So in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, we hear that this temple was attacked and that basically almost everyone was killed. And they got the the cauldron feet, and basically Azrael showed up and killed everyone that was still there um, at the time. But they did succeed in taking the feet of the cauldron, which became a part of them being able to reassemble the cauldron, which is a big part of the original series. So Gwen was unfortunately one of the priestesses that was there when Hybern attacked. And they killed her sister in front of her um, and then raped her. Um, and during this process of trauma, um, Azriel showed up and basically saw what was happening and killed everyone and rescued her and then took her directly, I think, to the library from there. And so she's basically been in the library since the attack. Yeah, more in uh, Reef 
showed up as well. It wasn't just Azure got there first. Mm -hmm. And so he killed the people in the room and then more picked up her and took her to the library while Reese and as they finished off all the rest of the soldiers and everything. But yeah, so she definitely looks up like at one point, like she meets Reese or sees Reese again. You know what I mean? And as, um, and she's just like, you know what I mean? Like, whereas Nessa's like, I can't, can't. why don't you hate him too? Like I do, you know what I mean? But it's like, once again, like, I don't know, these people saved her, like literally saved her and have like given her a safe space to live. So she's grateful. Gwen's grateful. So she's been through a lot, a lot of damage, a lot of trauma. And Azriel got there first, and I have theories about that. <laughs> Same. We'll get back to that later, though. Uh, so yes. So she's like a very, very sweet person um, who just went through something horrible. So will she stay in the library forever? We don't know. She doesn't know, but it's where she currently is. And honestly, she doesn't probably know where she would go without the library right now because she can't go home because she doesn't have it anymore. So yeah, so that's kind of her, her dark past. And Nesta eventually learns about it when she shares. And then Nesta thinks about how horrible and traumatic that that would be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she learns the full extent of it later on when Gwen tells her it all. But yeah. early on, I think Reese, when he runs into her, basically like tells her like kind of like a be nice to her. You know what I mean? And she kind of finds out from Cass as well, like just like the synopsis of it. So she kind of knows like, Okay. Yeah, she got the beats. She knew yeah. her sister was killed. She yeah. knew that she was raped. Yeah. Or she knew her family was killed and that she was raped. I don't think she yeah. knew her sister was, like, beheaded in front of her. She didn't, yeah. Later, that's when she tells her, like, the full, like, nitty-gritty yeah. details, her story. But, yeah, so she kind of gets the, like, be kind to this girl because she's been through hell. You know what I mean? Like, please don't be yeah. mean. Thankfully, she's not, you know. She's you know what? I, it's so funny how we talk about her so differently. I... I was really upset with Reese in this book. I like, I hated him in this book. Um, and I think it's because he, I, I think it's hard sometimes when you have external characters. Mm -hmm. I know he was the main character with Farah in the first books, but him and Farah are not external characters, secondary characters in this book. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I think it's easy to get only snippets and then because it, you don't get the whole story. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I think it's because he wasn't the focal point and we didn't get more of him that his actions pissed me off. Well, like I was so mad when he went into her head and said, be nice to her because I, I was her, I'd be like, bitch, she is my friend. Like you don't even know what I went through to get her here and I'm helping her. And that I do feel sense. like I can see that, but we're also coming from Nessa's point of view on this or Cassian and Nessa doesn't like him. So we're not going to see him in the same light as it would be in like Feyre's you know what I mean? Like it's a different like perception. So it's yes. going to be I feel like a little skewed, but I also get with him, like he's only seen her wrath. He's not seen her be kind once. And he's seen yeah. her tear apart Feyre when all she's trying to do is be nice and only seen her really be nice to Elaine. And so I feel that that protective instinct, I could see like for me, if I knew that person and I wasn't sure like how they're progressing because like having forbid I try to have a conversation without them ripping into me despite who I am. Yeah. Like, I would be like, be nice, please. Like, I, I would feel that yeah. protective. I'm a very protective person. So I, I could understand where he'd be like, more like reactive. Like he needs to like step in so that she doesn't be mean or like release her wrath on this poor girl who's already been through hell. Like I understand where he comes from on that. 
but he doesn't know that he's actually made a friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think the other thing is, I'm trying to remember if she already had that nightmare at that point. Um, no? Okay. Because I, I guess that the other thing that made me mad was he kept being that way even after he went into her head and he was like, it's so horrible. Mm-hmm. I, we're going out of order, but whatever. We all know what we're talking about. So. Um, one thing I will say, not in defense of Reese, but in for Reese in this book, we did see a different side of him. I felt like we very much saw High Lord Reese. We didn't see favorite yeah. Reese. We didn't see the best friend of the brother of Cassie and Nazriel. We had dis- we saw Reese pull rank a lot in this book, which he doesn't like to do and he normally doesn't do. But he had to pull rank with Cassian. He has to pull rank with Azriel in the excerpt. Um, <laughs> so a lot of it, and, and we know that Reese has a very good reason, but that doesn't mean that we need to like Reese pulling rank on people. For sure. And we also know that Reese is very protective. That's one of his main traits as a person. Um, and so, and he doesn't trust Nesta at all. And he's honestly not giving her the, the benefit of the doubt either that she can change or I don't think he thinks that she can change like we all know that if Reese had his way there wouldn't be Nesta anymore you know (laughs) like he would either be in the human land or she would be an eliminated threat because he views her as a threat um and I think he worries about her falling into the hands of someone worse like Baron or you know he doesn't want to isolate her to the extent that she could turn against him because he knows that she's very powerful and dangerous. Mm-hmm. So he's looking at it, I would say, from a very high level of like a high Lord threat assessment. And she is on the radar of high threat, <laughs> but he can't really deal with her in a way he would like to neutralize the threat because she's also Feyre's sister. And so does that mean he has to be nice to her? Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't have to be nice to her. He's given her like several chances and you know, opportunities, and I think he's just kind of done with her at this point, so. Which, in his defense, too, I guess, like, he is so much older than all of them. You know what I mean? Like, that he has, like, dealt with all these different situations, not the exact, but, like, where he's learned, like, some people just, maybe they can't change, or they don't change, or, you know what I mean? Like, different things where, like, I could understand his, like, extra level of protectiveness, maybe, too, if he's seen enough, like, crazy shit that's gone really bad that he's just kind of, like, like I've given you so much to try to be different and like you've never shown me any like growth like I don't trust you like it's gonna obviously would take a lot to kind of regain that trust I'm definitely someone like once trust is lost like you don't just get it back like you got to earn that back and it may take a long time I'm not saying I won't be nice to you but I'm watching you constantly to show me that you actually are genuine so I can see where he is more like you know like just yeah, I, I do agree with the polling ring. That is true. Like, he is definitely like High Lord Reese, which is definitely a different read too, but not envious of that role. I when you were talking, I thought of my good opinion once lost is lost forever. Uh, yeah. Mr. Darcy quote. Um <laughs> so yeah, and once again, a lot of people didn't like Reese in this book. I read that, you know, they're like, You're my book husband, but I'm very mad at you right now. Like <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into this later, but the whole lying to Feyre thing uh, and then banishing Nesta for telling the truth. Yes, the way she said it wasn't great, but yeah, oh my god, that made me so mad. I'm so excited to get back to that, yeah, because there is a lot to unpack there too. (laughs) So, um, 
I'm gonna move forward a little bit in my notes here. Um, one thing, oh, I, to change direction a little bit, um, I wanna talk about Nesta's battle with the stairs. So yeah, part, part of her banishment to the House of Wind is that there's only two ways in and out of the House of Wind. You can't winnow in and out, it's guarded against winnowing. And also Nesta can't winnow anyway, so that's fine. Um, so you can either fly in, uh, which Nesta doesn't have wings, so Cassie and her Azriel or Reese have to fly her in, <laughs> or Feyre, but I think she's probably her least favorite pick. Um, or you can walk up the 10,000 steps to get in and out of the House of Wind. And this is ideally and obviously to protect it from attack. Uh, but in this case, it's also kind of the perfect setup to keep Nesta contained because there's no alcohol in the House of Wind so that she can't drink. She's being forced into sobriety. Um, and they basically told her, if you can make it down those 10,000 steps, then you're, you're free to walk around Valaris. Like, that's fine. You just have to make it down 10,000 steps and then you can do whatever. <laughs> uh, but you've got to really want it to, to go down and then once again, back up the 10,000 steps because you still can't fly to get back in. So she begins her battle with the stairs, which I really love this, especially at the beginning when she's super weak and she's not eating because she <laughs> she's like walking down the steps at one point and the house puts soup next to her on a step because she like sits down and she's tired and the house is like, eat some food. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she's like, no. And the house is like, fine, enjoy the steps. I don't know. Um, so, you know, she, she's continually, it's like a goal for her. And I really think it's important to have a goal in general, but this is like a very specific goal for Nesta is making it up and down these stupid steps so that she can have the freedom to come and go as she pleases. Um, which is pretty key. I mean, she could always ask Cassie to take her somewhere, but then he could say no. Um, well, and it starts that way. Like it starts basically like, I just want to get out of here, but it becomes even more than that because it becomes like a. I don't even, like, by the end, by the time she actually completes it, not the first time, but yeah. the second time, she's like, okay, I'm going back up, because it was more of, like, a, if I do this, then I'm on the way kind of a thing. Yeah. In the beginning, it definitely was not. She's but. also so weak from not eating proper food, just being drunk all the time, not doing any exercise or anything, so it's, like, she's like definitely like having to like form some muscles and put some meat on her bones so like the stairs aren't even like I think she doesn't even go 100 steps the first time like it's barely anything and she like crawls back and almost just like passes out like it's pretty hilarious but um yeah so it's definitely like a challenge for her to like succeed internally and show like I am strong enough that I can do this and come back it's still gonna suck though but yeah exactly and I mean Reese and um, Cassie and Nazriel know how hard those steps are because they used to be ordered up and down them as children when they misbehaved. Mm -hmm. So they know it is not an easy task to go up and down. So it's, it becomes like, like Susan, it becomes this like really important goal to Nesta that she masters these steps. And it's really satisfying when she does. Um, so I just wanted to touch on them because one, it does come into play when she does make it down the steps the first time in a fit of rage. <laughs> and two, you know, it's, it kind of helps her reconcile with herself, especially when she falls one time and she reaches out on the steps to stop herself from obviously falling and her power comes out and she accidentally like carves a handprint in the steps. Because once again, she has this power 
inside of her that she took from the cauldron that she doesn't know how to use or control. And she's terrified. Like in the prior books, she had trained, tried to train with Amran to try and figure out what the power was and how to use it. Um, and she, she just couldn't, she, she just didn't either didn't want to, it didn't work. And then she stopped trying. So instead this power is just kind of simmering inside of her threatening at any moment to come out when she, when her temper flares a little bit in what like destroy everything in its path. Like she's terrified of what she can do. So I feel like this stairs also kind of helps her to begin mastering her control of herself as well. It's like another way to gain, regain control in your life, which I feel like a big part of her problem is that she's completely lost control of herself. Um, additionally, what is kind of covered? So she did start training at the House of Wind with Cassian and it was, it's going really well. And she begins to really enjoy the training, which I think is a big surprise to her. And then more importantly, she begins to see how other people could benefit from such a training as well. So she begins to invite the women from the library. And I felt so bad for her because, you know, she, des she desperately wants to help someone else at this point. But, you know, once again, they have to want to be helped. So suddenly she's kind of in the reverse position where she's trying to help someone but they, like, she has to want them to want to do it. And Gwen, I think, is the first person, right, that does it? Yeah, uh, but only after her elaborate scheme. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Okay, I'll, I'll go through it real quick. Yeah, please do. So, so she's upset because every day she goes in, she looks at the sign-up sheet. There's nothing there. She looks at Clotho. You can kind of tell throughout all of this, Clotho thinks it's good for them, too, even though she never comes out and says it, but it seems pretty obvious to me that she does kind of think it would be good for them. So every time she looks and there's nothing there and she gets frustrated. And then one day, I think kind of out of the blue, Cassian is summoned to the library and Clotho's like, that's just training. And part of me was like, okay, let me take it back. What she said exactly was, Nesta's training in the library right now you need to stop her, it's distracting. And part of me at this point did think it might've been a setup, which I don't think it, it wasn't from Clotho's standpoint, but part of me was like, did Nesta go to Clotho and say, get him down here for this? I, I don't think that's what happened. But what happened is she has been training around the library, so it would become a nuisance on purpose. And Clotho would pull him down and say, you have to go talk to her. So he did, he went to talk to her, he found her training and she was training wrong. She was practicing wrong on purpose. So he would come up and fix her stance or her arm or elbow or whatever it was. And at the end of it, he's like, wait a minute, you were doing that punch perfectly this morning. And he turns around and there's an audience and they're like, oh, and all the priestesses scurry away. And she <laughs> smiles and he's like, okay, cool. I capiche, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well played um the big thing was to show that like he's very respectful like see he always yeah. asked permission like he didn't just like touch her and I think that was like one of her big things too was like this is a like he's not like a normal man that you're feared like he's a safe guy like he's gonna respect your boundaries so I think it was very smart of her I agree yeah and then I don't remember if it was that day or the next day she walks out and Clotho is like standing there and she's like gesturing and w there's one name and it's Gwen. Um, so yeah, I, lo I love that whole 
that whole moment. Yeah. yeah, I love like the entire storyline surrounding Nesta and Gwen and Emery's friendship was like my favorite part of this book. Um, and then Cassian. I love Cassian, of course. So we won't get into it because it's dirty, but Cassian and Nesta have been messing around basically this whole time. Um, Can I say one thing? Please do. Um, the one thing I want to say about this is there's a lot of times in books, there's a trope where it's like, clearly they're going to end up together and there's love there. But it's usually the guy who's like, I'm not going to have sex with you until we have, I don't know, until we're in a better place or something because it's respectful and, and it, I don't know. And the girl's like, but let's just have meaningless sex. And it's usually the guy who says no. So I actually really appreciated it that Cassian was like, okay, yeah, let's just, let's go ahead and have sex, even though I'm going to get really hurt by this. Mm -hmm. uh, let's just go ahead and have sex right now. Yeah. I appreciated that also. And it's also one of those things, like, I think we all knew that there was some serious chemistry between them from, like, yeah. the other books. And so it's, like, something, like, it's been building. Like, there was no secret here that, like, even, like, that she was, like, even though she didn't want to admit it, that she was, like, lusting for him and vice yeah. versa. So it was definitely, like, one of those, like, building kind of things. So it was nice when they finally just did it. And it was, like, about time. You know what I mean? Um, also, like, so now you see what you've been missing out on with all these like random like just stay males here like this is what you could have had the entire time you guys i'm holding my tiny dog teddy and this is not appropriate conversation for him because he is just a wee babe okay like he <laughs> this is inappropriate conversation <laughs> yeah but cover your ears he doesn't, he doesn't want to know about this <laughs> but they didn't um hook up yet I would say that wasn't at this time. No, yeah. No, they just, they basically did everything but actual sex, okay. everything except for actual sex. Right. And, but they were fooling around. They're, they're messing around. And poor Azrael is living there, okay? Like, <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Like, at She's one point. Giving him a blowjob in the middle of the kitchen table. Yeah, like in the dining room. And, yeah. and poor Az is like, this is where I eat my cereal. Like, <laughs> We also want to talk about, like, the funny but awful, like, awful, like, awful thing of, like, everyone can smell, like, if you guys have had sex or, like, if you're lusty, like, the fae can, like, smell their, like, ooh, like, Nesta's yeah. hopper cast and vice versa. Like, the sexual tension's, like, actually, like, something you can smell or, like, oh, I can smell you for, like, weeks up on this dining room table to try to eat my porridge. Like, ew. <laughs> like, how awful. That's nasty. Someone for privacy. <laughs> yeah, that's nasty. And I, once again, I just feel really bad for Azrael because especially in the little excerpt, we see the trauma he's been going through. I know. And then living, living amongst um, <clears throat> their random escapades. It's got to be difficult. Um, so, <laughs> so we'll kind of get to that more because that's obviously a storyline that's building. Um, their friendship, I would say, is growing as well. Like, they're, they're rebuilding their trust um, that essentially has been destroyed at this point between the two of them. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and it's not very romantic, I would say. Like, none of it is, none of it read as romantic to me. It was just, like, I think it showed, and, like, spoiler alert further on, their mates, boom. Mm -hmm. I need to add a spoiler alert to this freaking episode <laughs> before right now. Um, but they are mates. I thought this was a good job of showing 
the other side of the mating bond because it's not always like love and romance. A lot of time it's just like attraction and lust. And so I thought this was a good, like a good way of showing that side of the mating bond because she had not accepted it, but yet they were drawn to each other uh, very much for that reason, even though at some point, neither of them really wanted to be drawn to each other because <laughs> they yeah. were being so mean to each other. Um, but it's real, it's not, I don't want to say it's enemies to lovers, but it's almost enemies to lovers, but they're never really enemies. Um, but Castian is very proud of her. Like we get his point of view and it's very cute because he's very proud of like the progress she's making and how her training's coming along and her friendship with these other females that she's forming. Uh, Reese starts, I love Reese. You gotta love this about Reese. He starts winnowing Emery in every morning from the Illyrian Mountains so that she can train before she opens her shop. And I love that it's just like, he's like an errand boy, you know? <laughs> Nesta's like, how do we get Emery here? And Cassie's like, oh, just have Reese get her in the morning. He's not doing anything, it's fine. <laughs> um, and so that goes pretty well. Uh, but kind of in the background um, of, of all this, and, and part of their training is since Gwen is assisting Meryl with reading about the Valkyries, she herself is kind of learning about the Valkyries as well. She kind of is reading Meryl's notes and her and all of her kind of research. And she learns about the Valkyrie, which had been uh, a, a group of fighting uh, females uh, that all died in the big battle 500 years ago. None of them survived. And then they just kind of became part of history. And they start practicing these Valkyrie techniques that are being documented, such as mind stilling, which is essentially sounds like meditation, mm -hmm. uh, which also is very healthy for in general, but for Nesta to try and clear her mind out. Um, so they, they start incorporating these techniques as well as what they're learning from Cassian. And then at some point around here, Asriel comes to training too and starts training the women because their numbers keep growing. I was going to say there was a day when like three more priestesses showed up and then I think even more after that um and then he came and trained them and they're on like different wavelengths obviously like I feel like that's one thing to like Gwen you know she did some meditation-y kind of like stretching stances so she picks up pretty quickly obviously versus like more than Nesta did and Emery like she's for the most part also pretty like well on her feet so they're all on different levels though so like they need like as to be there to kind of help um train the other people so they don't fall behind. I would need As to be there because I would need As to be there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Let <laughs> me some As. Oh my God, look at him. Oh my goodness. Um, so, hold on, we'll kick Hold on real quick. Oh my goodness. We're gonna take a pause then. Charlie, I think Teddy needs to go outside. And then I know soon that he would like the F O D. He just keeps um, making me chase him around. You're being very disruptive. Okay, the dog. Take 
Okay. Yay, welcome back. <laughs> I've sent text messages. Nice. No privacy. So, all right. We're all back. We're unmuted. Yay. We took a break. I didn't go anywhere, but I did assist in. <laughs> so, okay. So, I would need Azrael to be there just because I would need Azrael to be there, as I just said. Um, but I'm sorry. What the illusion? Okay. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> So I appreciate that Azriel shows up and starts helping the other women with the training. We really get a, a really a bunch of a bunch of people doing this and participating. And I love that we're seeing this part of Nesta's progress. Like, and this is what Cassie and Azriel are both seeing every day. Um, but we've got a meanwhile going on because there's other stuff in this book happening kind of in the background at the same time. So I think this is a kind of a good time to get into that. Uh, because although Nesta's making her progress, she hasn't dealt at all with her feelings regarding Feyre, Elaine, the Night Court in general. <laughs> She's created this kind of existence for herself, which is really good. She's carving out her own life. She's getting her own found family, and that's really important. But she still has her real family that she's not dealt with, and she's still treating pretty much like crap. So... She gets, she and Cassian get called in for a little meeting again. And at this meeting, they discuss other things politically that have been going on. Um, so there's this person named Breelan. Am I right? Breelan? Breelan, yeah. Breelan. I don't remember which way. Breelan. Um, and is she one of the queens? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. She's the one that went into the cauldron and turned into an old oh. lady. That's so right. she's immortal, but like 90. And she's like a crone. And she's all pissed about it. Yeah. So <laughs> Breland has kind of struck a deal with the lake monster, whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I can't think of his name. It's someone. Essentially, he's the bone carver's brother. Isn't that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's one of these kind of immortal fae creatures that's like super powerful. And right now he's contained to this lake. And he's the one that turned Queen Vasa into a fire drake. He's the one that cursed Queen Vasa as well. Um, so meanwhile, um, Cassian, we don't really need to talk about, about this, but has been playing courtier with uh, Lucian, Vasa, and Jurian regarding how things are going with the spring court, how things are going with the humans, uh, the kind of very frail human fey alliance, how everything's going on there. Uh, Queen Voss is getting nervous because she's running out of time that she's free away from the lake before she has to return. And she really doesn't want to return. <laughs> she would really prefer for the curse to be broken and then she doesn't have to go back. And I don't really know where that's at, except for Feyre is not allowed to do magic right now. And the, kind of one of the hopes was that Feyre, Cursebreaker, would be able to help Queen Vasa. So um, 
But what we do know with Jerry and everyone else is that the human queens are basically working now with this lake monster. Um, and they're trying to acquire a thing called the Death Trove, which are a bunch of items that were created by the cauldron um, and have cauldron-like powers and abilities, which they could use to start another war, probably locate the cauldron, and overall cause chaos. Um, and so these are all very bad things that obviously all of Printhian would like to avoid. So this has kind of been going on in the background and, you know, Nesta's just not been privy to it because she's working on her own stuff. She really hasn't even had time to deal with all of this. So uh, this meeting, Nesta kind of gets updated because they need her help. So they're telling her what's going on and they know that they've gotten intel that Breelin has one of the three items of the death trove, which there's the crown, which is what she's acquired. There's also the mask and um, there's the other one. I'm suddenly forgetting what it's called. The harp? Uh, harp. Yes, the harp. And used together, it's like unmasking huge power. Uh, but since Nestor has the power of the cauldron and this cauldron made, they think that she will be able to locate these items. And because Breelin is cauldron made, that's why they think that she was able to access the crown. Also, we should note that he... Catherine's also been playing courtier to Baron, or um, right? Is that his name? Yeah, Baron. Mm -hmm. And we learn from him that his dad may have sided with Eris. Eris. Eris, sorry, yeah. Eris. And Baron's the dad. Yeah. yeah. So we learn from Eris that he's suspecting that his dad might be, Baron might be siding with Breelan, and that he's noticed um, some of his men, like his best men, have gone missing after acting very weird. So this is also something going on in the background that once again, Nessa's completely unaware is going on. Um, she's been a little bubble. Carry on, Ashley. So of the known Dread Trove items, the crown um, has the ability to control the minds of others and do the wearer's bidding, which may be explaining these strange soldiers. The harp is a small golden harp, which is capable of opening portals to different locations and realities, as well as altering the environments, etc. The mask is a gold mask carved with ancient patterns, which is able to call upon the dead and control them. Um, there's an unknown fourth trove um, that we don't know what that is. There's Narbon, which is a magical sword, um, but it was, I believe uh, Amarantha found it, but she wasn't able to access the power. So she threw it into the sea. There's, um, and then there's the things that Nesta creates, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think those are the main ones. Oh, there's also uh, Gwydion, which is, uh, was a sword of death that belonged to the first High King of Perinthian. Once again, um, it's part location as a node. But the main three items that, that haven't been necessarily thrown into the sea are the crown, the harp, and the mask. And those are what we know Breland's currently going after. So they tell Nesta that they're trying to look for the mask at this point. They think that they have an idea of where the mask might be, um, but they want her to scry to try and find the mask. So um, she is opposed to this idea, <laughs> obviously, because the last time that she did a scrying, the cauldron was able to see her and then kidnap Elaine. And so that's an understandable fear why you wouldn't want to do that again. <laughs> and so she really doesn't want to scry um, during this meeting. And 
you know, she, they're like, well, and Elaine steps forward essentially and is like, well, if you don't do it, I will, I'll figure it out. I'm also cauldron maid and I'll try and find it. And Nessa's like, that's out of the question that Elaine would try to do anything, you know? And she's like, no offense, Feyre, but why can't you fucking do it, right? <laughs> and just once again, just once again, being like, it's too dangerous for Elaine to risk her life. Feyre, this is your, this is your bad, you know? Go risk your life for us again, you know? I don't care if you die, so just fucking do it and leave Elaine alone. Um, and I don't want to. Once again, Nesta goes right back to her ways of protecting Elaine and sacrificing Feyre and just hoping for the best, you know? <laughs> and I feel like everyone sees it in that moment and they're all kind of disappointed, including Cassian. Um, aside from Feyre, who's like, I can't because I'm pregnant. <laughs> Ta-da! Reveal! <laughs> Ta-da! Everyone wanted baby face and here it is. Um, and so, yes, so Feyre is pregnant and then everyone's like, congratulations. And I feel like this was a very hard moment for Nesta as well um, because it's just another thing that Feyre gets in her life, you know? Cause she thinks that Feyre just gets everything she wants. That's kind of an internal dialogue she continues to have. Um, it's just everyone just gives Feyre whatever she wants and this is hard for her. But she at least understands that she shouldn't go after this dangerous death row item while she's pregnant. Um, or even more so that Reese isn't at all going to entertain it. Um, and we learned that, um, the Majora lady that's kind of like the medicine woman or whatever she's called. Um, but she basically for the baby's safety, like it's forbidding favor from doing any sort of magic outside of winnowing. Like that's the only thing she's allowed to do because it's just such an unstable environment and she's not sure like how the powers will affect the baby. So like, it was pretty much on like bed rest when it comes to magic, which has got to be the most frustrating thing for 10 months to not be able to do any of these things that you just have come to do like naturally. Like, ugh, I feel for her. That's hard. <laughs> oh, and we learned that, you know, why? Because Reese's entire time has this like massive like protective shield around Feyre and we've never really like known outside of him just being cautious because he's like learning new stuff from Helion. But now we know like this was him doing it because it's also making it so like no one can smell her pregnancy or see it so then he kind of drops it and everyone gets like a whiff of it and like sees her little bump I know whiff it's weird it's not smells but uh yeah everyone's really excited for her, which is super sweet especially Cassian and uh ads they're like we're gonna be uncles and it's like the most adorable thing seeing them like swoon over that I, just, I think it's so cute <laughs> it is very cute and you know in that moment I think Nesta's like fine I will try a scrying and she does try one at home. She doesn't tell anyone she's doing it. She just does it on her own. And I don't think anything really happens. Uh, but that's the night that she has the nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, if someone wants to talk about that experience. And if not, it was a nightmare. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, th I mean, I don't even remember the night. Like, I think she's just revisiting all of the bad stuff, like being in the cauldron. Um, she has a fixation on the moment her dad's neck snaps. That comes up a lot, especially with fires. But I don't remember if that even came up in the nightmare. It was just bad. And it was her reliving all of her shit that she has PTSD from. Mm -hmm. And then um, her power starts to come out. I think Cass is there first. And Azriel comes in and they're like, we don't know what to do. Because she's on fire, right? Like, like cold fire. 
Yeah, like yeah. cold silver flame fire. And Azrael's basically holding Cassian back from going near her because he doesn't want him to touch her because we don't know what would happen. Yeah, I can't remember if she's like screaming, but it's definitely like that's what that's how he knows that she's like shrieking. Um, and it's so much that it like Reese is made aware and Reese shows up and basically smothers her flames and goes into her mind and pulls her out of it. Yeah. Um, and that's when, like Susie mentioned, that's when he realizes kind of how deep her trauma is and how hurt she is inside. And he sees what she went through because no one knows what she went and through. And I thought it would make him nicer to her and it didn't really. It kind of did. I would say a little bit, um, but it didn't Hello. change his actions with trying to mitigate the risk of Nesta, I would say. I think between he felt more sympathy because he actually witnessed her going into the cauldron and what that was and what she took. But also I think he made him realize that she's essentially like death. Like mm -hmm. she's got that power of death. And so like, I think there's a little underline of fear there too, which is why maybe he's not so like coddly towards her. You know what I yeah. mean? No, that's what I, exactly. I feel like. As he should be a little bit. Cause it's like, Ooh, like this is a real dangerous power. That's not even like close to being like controllable. You know what I mean? And like, that's to be like so bad. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like he focused more on how it would affect Feyre as opposed to, Oh, she went through some shit. It's more like a, oh, this is a scary thing that could hurt the person that I actually care about, not, oh, poor Nesta. At least that's how it came across to me. But. I will say the other thing, too, in defense is they mention with, like, the baby, like, in general, like, the mate and the Faye Meryl in general, like, the level of protectiveness, which well, he already is, like, super protective, but, like, will eliminate, like, any potential threat. So I feel like it, like, extra, like, rears that up in him, too, um, which... It just seems like that's apparently a thing, which I get that, you know, but yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. He wasn't as sympathetic, but still, I, I felt like a little bit more so towards her. He understood her more and her struggles. But I think he also understood, to Susie's point, how dangerous she was mm -hmm. with her death power, because she's essentially a death god. Yep. Um, and he's not cool with that. And that's when I think he really starts worrying about not only the threat to her just losing her temper with Feyre and <laughs> doing whatever she might, but the idea that she could fall into the wrong hands and be manipulated as a power against them, which is also bad. So, <laughs> um, so then luckily she agrees, uh, you know, to scry again and she does it with everyone there, uh, which is good because she like almost freezes to death this time. She really can't control these powers at all, <laughs> um, but she's able to locate um, the, the mass location, which is in like a bog of Onid or Unid or something, I don't know, uh, which is apparently just like a horrible place. <laughs> um, and so they're like, all right, well, they're like, there are some places in the Feylands that we just let fucking wild things live and we don't go there. It's like their territory and we just let them roam free and be monsters. And this is one of those places. So it's very dangerous. So Nesta agrees to go with Cassian and Asriel. Um, and I will just say that when she scried the second time, Cassian kissed her in front of everyone to bring her out of her frozen trance. It's like the kiss of true love or whatever. And I just kept thinking about like how awkward that would be for her. And then also everyone else in that room that is just like, what? 
<laughs> I mean, you know, like they're all like suspecting like things have been going down because they're like smelly and all that shit, but they're also yeah. like, you they know. know. You yeah, made- I was going to say, I don't think they're surprised at all, really, because <laughs> you can have no privacy in this world. I know. Right now, so though, I feel like that would be a really hard way to like awaken and then just be like, oh my gosh, my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she uh, decides to go after the mask. So they get, they like go to this horrible place. <laughs> and it's just like, I just imagined it as like a gray scale, basically bog with like dead trees everywhere and it's just they said it just feels like death it just was a very nasty place full of monsters um so as they're flying around and looking for the mask uh she's trying to sense it it's not really going great really um they come across some of these soldiers that have disappeared it appears and one of them like they lose Azrael basically as they're flying through this mist um, and he's gotten shot with an ash arrow. And once again, these were barren soldiers. So Eris's dad soldiers that had gone missing. And Baron may be in cahoots with Breelin and the lake monster. So um, Cassian realizes that Asriel's gone. He's like, I've got to go back and find As, but I don't want to take Nesta into whatever could be danger. So he places her atop of a very tall tree, essentially. And it's like, just stay here. Don't go anywhere. Whatever you do, do not get down. <laughs> Don't come looking for me and I'll be back. You know? <laughs> Does Nesta listen to this? No. So Cassine flies off into the mist. And I felt like she stayed for all of five minutes. You know, like. <laughs> I did not feel like, I do not feel like a lot of time passed before she was like, I'm getting off this tree. But I also feel like for her too, because she's still not all that strong yet. Like she's getting stronger, but she's also like, my arms, they can't hold on any longer. You know, she's like slipping like slowly, <laughs> which is like so sad and pathetic. But like, if this had happened like day one, this girl of art is like falling to the ground. Like she wouldn't have had a choice. She would just like split away. So she... She tried for like a very short while, but she. I feel like later Cassian says something in his brain, like it was like 30 minutes or something like that. But still, I mean, I don't know that I could hang on for 30 minutes, except, uh, I mean, I don't know. Also, my brain works overactive. So like, like if my husband is 10 minutes late and he hasn't texted me, he's clearly dead. Like he's obviously dead. So I can only imagine what she's thinking in that moment. Yeah. So I kind of get it, and I would definitely be dead in that fog. Like, I would be. So. I definitely get it, but I feel like with her, you would think self-preservation would have actually kicked in for her at this one time, because that's her normal, like, go-to, where it's like, yo, like, there's some dangerous shit around here. Like, don't leave this little tree place, because, like, you don't know what's going to snatch you up and take you to the water or woods really fast. Like, yeah. you're not ready. You're also not armed really that much. You've got like a knife. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's like that level of like, stay safe. (laughs) But there's also something I was thinking of is we don't exactly know. I know she hasn't accepted the mating bond yet, but we also know that having a mate kind of makes you a little crazy for that person. So part of me is also like, I wonder if that's part of it too, because she doesn't understand that and she's clearly trying to not accept it when she probably knows that that's what's happening but 
yeah, I think she knows and she doesn't want to accept it for sure. But, yeah. and I agree to your point, you know, I'm not an immortal fae. So that has been training with Illyrian warriors for the past couple of months. So I don't know how easy it would be to hold on to this tree either. But I think that if you are like, there's dangerous monsters that scare me, the monsters of my nightmares are down here. Stay safe in the tree. I would stay safe in the tree as long as I could, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, maybe if I had a fae mate that was anything like Cassian, I might venture off my tree. Um, I don't know. But either way, I know that Nesta did. She abandoned that tree and was like, see ya. So, <laughs> so she doesn't make it at all very far geographically on the walk. Um, before I think she realizes that she has to walk through water or something to get to the next place that she wants to do because she's in like a bog swamp area. Um, and immediately some terrifying Kelpie monster, which is described in a horrifying way and not in any way that I've ever heard a Kelpie described before Sarah J Moss, it was just gross, <laughs> appears. And, and once again, does she, does she do anything? Does she unleash her silver flames? Does she run away? Does she try and kick punch? No. What does she do? She falls down and she pisses herself. And then she gets drunk under the water to the muck. <laughs> this is like the funniest thing because it's like, she has this awesome power, but she's like never used it. And she's never really like defended herself enough or anything. So even though she's learning this stuff, like she's still just frozen in fear, which is like a natural thing, but it's hilarious that she pissed herself. I don't know why I just like, that made me chuckle because I was like, <laughs> so funny. So messed up, Alicia. I know, but at this point I still- It's so messed up. I'm not like, I'm still like, she's still growing on me at this point. So I found it oh. really hilarious. I just imagine you reading it, you're like, ha she pissed herself. Yep. It was horrible, and I felt bad for Cassian because shockingly, when he and Asriel show up very quickly after this, they're trying to find her, and he's like, "She's pissed herself." Oh no! Which made it more funny because once again, their smells are so strong. <laughs> like, I'm just so glad that we're not like, oh, obviously someone's peed themselves here. You know what I mean? Like in a bog that smells like death. You know what I mean? I imagine it's not as normally apparent like here in the earth. But it was just, I don't know why I just was like. Oh my gosh. So she gets dragged under the water by this horrifying monster. And it is just, it's so much bigger than her. I just imagine this thing was like 30 feet tall. Um, it's just dragging her underneath, maybe 15. But it's very big. Imagine that tall. Interesting. It's really big. It's like much bigger than her. And so it's just like dragging her along the bottom. She's just like bouncing along the bottom of this gross thing. It's like bones and all these dead bodies and it's super gross. Uh, <laughs> And then at one point she's running out of oxygen and it stops and it kisses her and breathes oxygen into her. And it's like very much like, I'm gonna keep you alive so I can play with you for a little bit, whatever that means. And then I'll kill you and eat you, you know? It's just, it's very horrifying. Um, and so she's just like, obviously freaking out. Um, and then at one point she, I think she sees it first, like she sees the glint of something and she reaches out for it. So I, I feel like she's trying to reach for her power. Right. Like she feels, I don't, she's like physically reaching for it. She's like, I literally have no idea what to do. I'm just going to put my hand out here and reach for it. And then like the mask shows up and she's like, oh, I completely forgot about you. Like, right. Yeah. Even I think though this was here. 
I think you're right. I think she was probably trying to reach for her power, but light calls to like, luckily, mm-hmm. and the mask like comes to her into her hand. And so she puts that thing on her face, <laughs> understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, so meanwhile, back on the shore where Cass, Cassie's freaking out. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure Azra's freaking out. Like the last thing Azra wants to do is show back up and look at Feyre and be like, lost her, don't know, probably killed to a monster, I'm sorry. Um, but I got shot with an ash arrow in my defense, so I was busy. <laughs> so, um, so they they they're on the shore, and suddenly out of the water emerges Nesta, wearing the death trove mask, and holding in her head hand the head of the kelpie, which she's beheaded. And like I think just like a sword that she found on the ground, mm-hmm. and then she comes out with like a trove of like undead soldiers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? And then she just like takes the mask off and then all the bones just collapse around them. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey guys. <laughs> I was very proud of her in this moment. Like she it rose was- above her original fear, which I mean, I guess it does eventually like, you know, fight or flight, like your, your moment of fleeing went away real fast. So. Yeah. <laughs> finally start to fight back which is good otherwise you die like you literally just die yeah um so i was very proud of her in that moment and she definitely before she took it off definitely like threw off that like death presence you know where they even like kind of like lowered their eyes because they were like whoa like we don't want to like like we don't know how much nesta is here right now you know what i mean like we don't want to die they even like bow to her because there there was something like we, what do you do with a god you like bow and then they're like, like we don't the even know what to do. it was like even with the illyrians like they they know to bow to the god of death or something like that like so it's like they i think almost like innately like they recognize that power too and it was like one of those like they knew like instinctually like if we don't respond appropriately like we may still die even if nessa's behind it like she may not be able to control that kind of thing which well dance tells how much her power is still not quite in check with her emotions and how she can handle it so nesta unleashed (laughs) literally everyone in her path (laughs) so it was excellent it was an excellent part of the book although it was horrifying but it was amazing so she removes the mask and it's just like ta-da i found it um cheers for me um and then they fly her back they didn't I don't think they went to the House of Wind again. They went it's to the River House, I think. No, it wasn't the River House. Um, maybe it was. This might be when they went to the River House. I feel like she needed to recover. Because wasn't she, she, she went she, hurt. She went somewhere else. It doesn't really matter, I guess, where she went. Yeah. But it was some other palace. But I don't think it was the River House. Because I think that that was when the Winter Solstice, when she saw her room for the first time, I think is that night. Well, I know that they immediately, like, took possession of the mask and, like, put it in a, tried to put it in a safe space, and she was, like, passed out in the next room, able to access it, despite Reese's, like, abilities to, like, make it so no one else could. So I thought it was the river house where they were still. under the mountain. I thought it was, like, the castle under the mountain. Or the townhouse. Oh, I think it was, I think it was the castle above under the mountain, or whatever they call it. Yeah. Like, which is, like, the scary one. But I think that's where they were, because it was, like, the most secure place that Reese has to keep the death drove items. Yeah, because they took the two soldiers. They took the two, um... Right, you're right. Soldiers, (sighs) and 
and I think they had Helian come and look at the soldiers and try to figure out the brain washing or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's where that was. Yeah, because Reese tried and like he could see like what he could tell. Like there, it was like some sort of spell, so he had him kind of look into him too. And yeah, he confirmed it was something he, they never had come into contact with before. And he was terrified by it, and like Nesta could walk white right by the wards and all that stuff. Yep. And the fact that she could remove the mask, because historically, whoever wore the mask, it was really like the mask was kind of wearing them. They were basically unable to take the mask off. Yet Nesta could just pop that mask on and off and kind of be more like one with the mask instead of the mask controlling her. So, and also poor Nesta is all scraped up and her lips are all gross and everything from this experience of being drunk on the water. Um, but still, you know, she gets cleaned up and this is the moment where she and Cassie and bang when he finds her in that pool. <laughs> and that is the first time that it's like, it's really like, I feel like that's the first time Cassie is really like, shit, this might be my mate, you know, <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> and so, um, and we'll just kind of go into the other thing, like, um, because then we, then she just kind of goes back to her, her daily life after that experience, and they don't know where the harp is. They have no idea where the harp might be. They had, like, somewhere of an idea where the mask might be, but they had no idea where the harp is. So she loves music. This is, like, a prevailing theme in this book is how much Nesta loves music. And she hasn't heard music in a long time. Um, and so Gwen tells her that they sing music at the church-like service that the priestesses of the library have. And she invites Nesta to attend. And she's like, even though, you know, you, you might not know any of the music, it's still really pretty. And we sing some really old songs that we found and they're pretty nice. So they Nesta attends and as she's loving this experience she kind of goes off in her mind and almost she cries right? yeah yes you're right she cries that's the I was gonna say astrally projects but you're right I think she accidentally kind of yes kind of similar and she sees herself in a room and in the room is the harp and it's like I think she knows it's the prison although she's never I don't think she's ever been to the prison um, but she knows, like, she sees herself go through this path and get to a part underneath that where the harp is. And the harp is, like, singing to her and asking her to find it. And then suddenly she's just, like, back in her little pew <laughs> at the service. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then she takes this information to Cassian. And he's like, well, I don't think that there's anything under there but we also don't know because that building is so old that there's no way of like all the records have been lost and obviously if you're trying to hide something this is a really good place to hide something um so i'll just say they go and they get the harp um nesta kills that one thing with the sword that gave cassian a bad scar is it lanthius or something like that yeah lanthius yeah. or yeah i don't remember but a really scary monster and um I guess this happened, okay, so backing it up. So because she kills it with a sword that hasn't been made yet. So and just so much happens in this book. This book is like 800 pages long of us. So there's a moment where Nesta, where Cassian takes her to a blacksmith, which 
I like the reasoning. I wanted to see how the swords are made. I was like, this sounds like something like my dad would do. You know what I mean? Like, I want you to see the process that goes into making this thing that you take for granted. But whatever. So Cassian takes her to a blacksmith so that she can see the process of making a sword because she's getting close to training with real weapons. Um, they've been playing playing they've been training with like wooden swords and stuff up to this point and she wants to use a real fucking sword and so this is like that this is not a toy this is serious this is how these are made kind of moments um but instead nesta ends up being super into it um and she does a good job i feel like in this moment too of overcoming her fear of fires because there's obviously it's a forge so there's fire everywhere um it's very loud and as susie pointed out before when she hears um, like logs snapping or sticks snapping. It reminds her of her dad, the sound her dad's neck made when it got cracked open. Um, and so she's traumatized by that sound. Uh, so that's why she continually freezes through the night and doesn't have fires lit anywhere. But she makes herself endure it because she's been doing the mind stilling exercises and she's able to, you know, kind of push past that fear and that trauma to be in that room because she really wants to be in the, in the room. And the guy lets her kind of hammer out and forge these swords. And so they spend way more time, I think, than Cassian thought they were going to spend there. <laughs> and she makes, what is it, two swords and a dagger? Something like that? Something like that. So she makes these weapons. And I thought, like, I was like, good, Nesta can start, like, a blacksmith shop. Like, favorite thing is painting. You know, Elaine has, <laughs> Elaine has gardens. Let's get Nesta, like, a blacksmith shop. You know, that would be really good for her. Um, but so she's, like, a really good time doing that. And then, like, the next day or later on that week, the blacksmith brings these things that Nesta made to Reese. And it's like, these are cursed. <laughs> these are super cursed, and I don't want them. Um, and he's like, your witch of a sister-in-law came in and cursed these things, and I don't want them anymore. Yeah. And so after Amran uh, assesses them, she determines that Nesta essentially made new death trove items. And so because she's cauldron made and she has cauldron power, and that the death trove was made by the cauldron, she's like, oh crap, Nesta Archeron created new weapons so yeah so it's uh atraxia is this magical sword that she uses that she brings with them to go into the prison to get the harp that she uses to kill lanthes it's currently not named though no she i think she names it while they're in the prison okay. um because she and cassian are talking before everything goes bad okay but way, i tried to ask her like what she names her swords and that starts a whole other, other thing oh, you're well right. yeah because they have a vote on whether or not they should tell her or not which i, I hate this and amran is the only one that votes no at least i think yeah. every well uh, reese might have but i think he's basically like uh whatever Farah yeah. wants so <laughs> Farah is like um yeah tell her immediately because that's ridiculous um and then, yeah, he's like trying to be coy about it. And he's like, if you made a sword or if you had a sword, what would you name it? And she's like, that's a weird question. And then it comes out that, I don't, I think he just tells her, right? He like he's- fumbles it through training, like which Cassian, like he was adamant that he wanted to be the one to tell her. Okay, fine. If you think you can tell her the information better, like cool, dude. 
like we've all learned that he's not the most like smooth at delivering this kind of stuff yeah. and so he does it during the training session with everyone around like this is kind of like a little bit of like classified information that probably not the whole fucking world should know about right now that there's like new death trope created items essentially just chilling here like have a little tack man but uh he doesn't and he just like eventually like word vomits that she created these like items and like he wants her to know but no one wanted her to know because they're scared and so she just like freaks out it would have been fine if he didn't say oh by the way there was a vote (laughs) Yeah, it would have been fine, except for yeah. that. Yeah, if it had just been like, hey, like, I wanted to tell you this, I, I'm not telling you the right time, but like, you yeah. did create these, and I was just curious what you would want to name them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, end of scene. But yeah. no, he definitely really fucked up, because like, I can't hide things from her, uh, buddy. Yeah. Mental stability right now. Not I think my, my notes say Cassie and tells Nesta and fucks it all up. Um... <laughs> Which is essentially what happens. So yeah, so because I understand, although I don't agree with it, but I understand not telling her right away that she created death row items, just because if anyone found out from the other courts that that Nesta, that anyone was able to make new death row items, they would be highly valued, you know? Mm -hmm. So now, you know, she has this godlike death power she can make new trove items. Um, she's really becoming dangerous, like not only to other people, but danger of someone wanting to kind of possess her and harness her powers for their own. Uh, like if Highburn could have gotten his hands on Nesta, oh, like yeah. he would have been very dangerous. So I think from that stance of being like, well, we gotta be careful about how we tell her. Uh, but from the standpoint of, well, I don't trust her enough to tell her this, I don't like that at all. So luckily Feyre voted, she was a tie-breaking vote, I think that we should tell Nesta and that's what we'll do. Um, but just the delivery of it could have been done in a very, very pleasant way. We didn't need to bring up the vote at all, Cassian. No one needed the vote. It could have just been like, hey, we found out. Remember when we went to the blacksmith? Apparently, you created magical swords <laughs> that are considered new death trove items. Um, and here's why that's important information that we shouldn't just share with everyone. Um, and here's one of the swords if you want to name it. But he didn't do it like that. So instead, he upsets her by making her feel, once again, untrusted by the Night Court fam. <laughs> and this is when she decides that she is going to make her way down those 10,000 fucking stairs. I feel like we need to take a quick, like, sidestep for a second, too. So, we wow. know that Feyre is pregnant, right? But mm-hmm. what we've learned is that it, the baby has wings, which is exciting, except she's got a human uterus. And so, Reese is, like, straight up panicking because, like, as, like, as and... Cassie, they all know that any, like, normal fae woman that gets pregnant by Illyrian almost always dies in childbirth because, like, their body can't, like, expand properly for these wings. So it kills them in childbirth. And so, like, Reese has been freaking out. Like, Kaz, Cassian, and As have been brought in on it, and they're aware. And, like, Nessa's found out, too. And, like, right now, Reese is, like, trying to, like, pretty much reach out to anyone and everyone to find out anyone that has any because there's other like people out there that have like wings and stuff and like it's not an issue so he's trying to figure out a safe way like other knowledge out there to like help her not die essentially or the baby or both of them 
Um, and he's chosen to not tell her yet. And I understand to the extent just at the moment, like she's very early on, like I'm just trying to get some information like to bring to you before I just like drop this bombshell because you're super excited. And I don't want you to be like devastated, like with death looming over this pregnancy, I think was kind of his plan. So at the moment it's like, hey, like, please don't tell her, like, she's so excited. I don't want this, like, to be ruined. I'm, I'm trying to bring up options before, like, I tell her. It's kind of, like, how I perceived it. So, anyway, so she knows this, and she agreed, like, don't worry. I won't tell anybody. Like, I won't tell her, and she's, like, on board with it until she reaches the Fury Road. Ashley, carry on. Yeah. So, as Alicia just said, so Farah is pregnant. She knows that. And the nurse i don't know magical woman i don't remember what we're calling her um she's told farah that it's a higher risk pregnancy because the baby has wings but she hasn't told her the full extent which is that she'll probably die in childbirth and also the baby will probably die too because they won't be able to get it out in time because the wings will get stuck and you know she has a high fey body um, and she's been told not to shift into Illyrian form because it could damage the pregnancy. Um, but the Illyrian womb is different to accommodate the wings, etc. So, yeah, is Reese right to keep this information? Yes and no. Susie's saying no. <laughs> but at the same time, if it were me, and I would I would prefer options presented. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't just prefer hey you're probably gonna die, but I'm trying to fix it. Um, I would prefer, hey, there's a high risk that you might die. So I found the following options. Here's a very specialist physician from Helion's court that has assisted in similar births or whatever. So I think that it's not that he's just not telling her a purpose. I think he wants to be able to tell her and present a solution because Reese is a problem solver. So he wants to solve the problem before it is a problem essentially. Uh, but he's failed. So he's I'm gone. just saying, I get that, but then he lets it go too far. <laughs> it's gone too far at this point. Because like, it's getting farther and farther in the pregnancy, too. Like yeah. He's asked Helion. He went to Callius's court or had more go there. You know, they've been asking around because there's other people with wings, but their wings are very different than Illyrian wings. Their wings are more flexible and stuff, so they can make it through, like, a high fey birth canal. But they've not been successful with anyone with Illyrian wings. So at this point, he needs to tell Feyre, but he just hasn't still, I think he's still probably just holding out hope that he'll find a miraculous cure before the pregnancy still gets that far. Because she's still, what? She's like halfway through the pregnancy at this point, you know? Yeah. And there's still time, probably. And they mentioned like, I know we're probably thinking, what about a C-section? Um, that apparently doesn't work. That's not an operation that works in their world most of the time. Most attempts to cut out the baby end with the death again. So it's just not a good, it's not a good options going on. So Nesta has been entrusted with this information by Cassian and kind of sworn to secrecy. Um, and, and Nesta is afraid that Favor will die. Like she is afraid that that will happen. She doesn't want that to happen. Um, and so now we're just going to back it up. Now Nesta's mad, right? <laughs> She's mad about being lied to or about the vote, about the death row items, and then potentially not even telling her if the vote had gone the other way. So she storms down those 10,000 steps, right? She makes it 
She's never made it before. She makes it to the bottom. She busts that door open. She is free to walk through all of the waters. So she walks to the palace and she gets in there. She marches her ass through. She breaks down Amran's door because she's mad at Amran because she'd asked who voted against me. And yeah, Reese, okay. <laughs> she's not surprised. <laughs> but Amran, she thought was her friend. Ignore the fact they had a really big fight on a boat and they've not really been friends, uh, but she's really betrayed that Amran voted against her knowing. She's really betrayed that Amran voted no. Um, so Amran is who is now going to get the full brunt of her anger. Um, so she walks in on Amran and Varian banging, which that's awkward. <laughs> um, so she walks in and she just starts laying into Amran. Um, you know, and fine, fine, yell at Amran, I don't care. She's not gonna, I don't think she's gonna hurt Amran. I don't think she could hurt Amran. But, you know, she's really letting Amran have it. But she is in Pharaoh's palace. <laughs> so Pharaoh runs in to try and stop the commotion. Varian went and got her. Yeah. He like, what? I think Varian went and like fleed to go get her because he was like, oh shit, like this is getting dangerous, you know? Maybe. Uh, I don't remember. Painting. She was painting. Okay. So Pharaoh comes in. She was painting. And tries to calm down the situation, tries to calm down Nesta, uh, tries to keep Amron from freaking out. You know, she's like, Amron, how about you just chill? And I take Nesta and we go talk and it's fine. And Amron essentially kind of picks up that Feyre still isn't, you know, Amron says something, Feyre doesn't challenge it, essentially. Even though she's high lady, she doesn't challenge Amron. And I would say there was no reason to challenge Amron in that situation. That was Feyre's choice not to challenge Amron. And Nesta is essentially like, you don't need to be afraid of her. <laughs> you are a high lady. She works for you, you know, and, and Feyre is like, okay, well, I respect her and she respects me. And that's how this works, Nesta. Like, <laughs> we're friends and I value her. So I'm respecting her right now. And that just gives Nesta the ammunition she needs to say, oh, Amron respects you. Well, did she tell you that the baby you're carrying is going to fucking kill you? Because everyone knows, except for you. And this is like the cruelest, cruelest moment, I think, in Nesta's whole moment of the book. Because she was hurt. And she did tell Feyre the truth. But she didn't tell Feyre the truth because she loved her, or she was worried for her, or she wanted her to know the truth. She told her the truth to hurt her. She told her the truth because she wanted to burst her happy bubble and make her feel like everyone's conspiring against her. She told her the truth because she was angry. Mm -hmm. um, and then as you can imagine, if someone delivered that news to you, Fabra freaks out. <laughs> yep. Because that's not the news that you want, you know? And also the additional layer of everyone knows except for you. You're a laughingstock, practically. It's kind of how she like presented it too, you know. I don't think that it was that you're a laughing stock. Well, like those like well, like everyone's like against you, like you know what I mean. Like you're not like in it as much as everyone else. Like it was one of those kind of like, you know, like mean girls. Like people talk bad about you. Kind of one of those things. Like everyone knows, you know, except for poor little you. Like it was just very like mean the way that she went about it. It was mean spirited. It's an isolating fact. attempt. You know what I mean to make you feel isolated. And I think it was directly because she had just been isolated. Yep. Like, she had just gone through that. Yep. And 
she she had one one real important information that she'd been asked to keep quiet <laughs> and she was like let me hurt you in the way I know you know I can but just by doing that it also had bigger repercussions Susie I know you have a lot of opinions on this yeah so uh basically what happens is Reese just turns into a dick like I just hate his reaction um I mean I get it he's fey and protective shit whatever but I don't like it um, so basically, uh, she instantly regrets it. Basically, as soon as it's out of her mouth, she's like, well, that was the worst thing I could have possibly done. Um, I understand why she did it. She was hurt and she, that's what hurt people and animals do. They lash out at whatever's by them. Um, I think it's, I don't understand why they didn't see this coming. I, I, I don't know. I just think everyone in the night court is to blame for what happened. Except for maybe Cassian, because I would say Cassian's he, well, to blame because he just no, you're right. Yes, yeah. you're right. He is to blame because he's yeah. Um, so anyway, basically at this point, um, Reese like mind melds or whatever <laughs> into Cassian and is like, uh, get her out of here because I'm gonna kill her basically. And so does he go find her? I think he like finds her running down the street or something. I don't remember. He took off because yeah, like Feyre like straight like lost it like yeah. tears, which I think how Reese figured it out because he felt that like emotional like um, like and probably she was probably ripping him a new one through their little like bond or something. Yeah. But yeah, like the darkness was like coming through Valaris. Like you could see his power was like rippling once again. Like that yeah. protecty like you've hurt my mate and baby kind of emotion. Like he he snapped. And so that's why he was like, get her out of here right now. So she was like, oh shit, like running, running. And he just like, yeah. Her up. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. And like Azrael packed a bag for him and was like, I don't even think he was in on the message. He was like, well, he's going to kill her. So here's a bag and go. <laughs> Run. <laughs> I mean, you guys go bag. Yeah. yeah. So then they go to like the desert and before they even, like, I don't think he knows where he's going for sure. It's not a desert. It's like a, a hike, whatever. Yeah. Um, and before they even get there, Feyre, like, does the mind thing, Daemonati or whatever it's called, the mind thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, it's fine. <laughs> like, right. it's yeah. fine. Like, it sucks, but I'm going to be better. And Reese overreacted. Um, and he understands. I'm like, does he understand? Because this happened like an hour ago. And I, I don't know. But anyway, Cassian is like, okay, well, we're still going to go to this place anyway. Um, and I was kind of upset in the moment with how he acted to Nesta. He was like cold and he was mad at her too. Like he was really mad at her. And I was, that kind of bothered me that Cassian was upset with her because it take, it, to me, it makes total sense how she reacted. I, I, agree. I agree that it makes sense how she reacted. That right. She was hurt, so she hurt someone else. Yeah. But it doesn't, just because she really hurt Feyre. She really hurt her. She didn't physically hurt her. But I think if she had physically hurt Feyre, we wouldn't feel bad for her. Mm -hmm. But she did emotionally hurt Feyre very deeply in that moment, just because she was mad. So I I didn't think it was wrong to be mad at Nesta. Like, oh, just because just because you're hurt doesn't mean the damage that you do to other people doesn't matter. It, you don't get a pass because mm -hmm. you're also hurt, you know? Like, and I think that is a problem, I would say, in society, where it's like, oh, but you, you know, you were hurt at the time, so your actions were justifiable. 
No, because that other person you hurt had nothing, had nothing to do with it. You know, Feyre was on her side. Feyre's always been on her side. Feyre was the tie-breaking vote that they should tell her. And Feyre was rewarded with that by having, like, her mortality threatened, <laughs> um, her happy pregnancy shattered, um, the feeling of being betrayed by everyone she loves, you know, all of those things at once. That's very hurtful. And I thought, if anything, Feyre's forgiving reaction was too fast uh, for everyone. For forgiving reaction for Reese was too fast. I know that she was like, Reese is in trouble. Yeah, it should be a little more that Reese is in trouble. And her forgiveness of Nesta, I thought this book was always too fast because she was always immediately, we never saw like the hurt hit Feyre. It was just like, she was immune to pain emotionally. And we know in the past that's not been the case. <laughs> it would um, be nice to have seen like Feyre, like or like these situations to see that perspective too. I feel like because yeah, I agree with you. Went to like, oh, you're forgiven, and it's like that's not how it goes in real life. Like you're hurt. Like you're not going to just immediately be like, oh, I forgive you. Thank you for telling me in such a horrible way. I love you. Like no, like there's damage control. Like yeah, I mean, I think Feyre has the right to feel her pain. And I think Nesta has the right to feel her pain, but I don't think that because you're in pain, you get the right to hurt anyone else. And if you do, I think that people are right to be fucking mad at you about it, you know? Uh, like Cassie told her that in confidence and she immediately used it as ammunition to hurt Feyre, therefore breaking their confidence. And he'd seen her make all of this progress and he was telling Reese, you're so wrong about her. You don't need to protect Feyre from Nesta. Nesta would never hurt Feyre. And then the moment she got mad, she very much hurt Feyre. Once again, it wasn't physical, but it was emotional. Yeah. So I didn't love that part, but at the same time, I felt like it was what Nesta needed because Nesta's been feeling this the whole time inside. And I think she very much felt like this is what she deserves. Yeah. Um, and it gave her the breakthrough that she needed. Yeah. Um, the I ability. It was a good thing for him to take her away and kind of make yeah. her like removed from everyone. Like the not talking, I thought like wasn't a, a good response because you know she had also betrayed tr trust more than once. Like in the beginning with the whole um, looking for the mask, she immediately told Gwen, even though Reese was like, "This is secret, don't tell anyone," and she immediately was like, "Fuck you, Reese, eh, I don't care." Like. She doesn't respect people and so they give her information and provide trust and she immediately just like proves that it's irrelevant to her a little bit and that was a big one like, that was a really big secret to just to blow because you got angry like that's a temper tantrum level of like a toddler like you're an adult like regulate your emotions to some degree like you should be able to but there are people out there that don't and they're toxic you know what i mean so in order like acting that way like yeah Cassie and I can't blame him for being like I'm gonna take you away we're gonna go for a hike we're not gonna talk because like one you probably don't want to talk but also like I don't want to talk to you like I'm angry at you like I'm gonna give you the cold shoulder until you apologize to me and like this is gonna be your punishment and eventually they did talk which was good but she also I think needed that you know what I mean it kind of pushed her and made her like break down eventually where she's like acknowledging her like actions and her behaviors and how wrong it was um, she didn't need to know that Feyre immediately forgave her and that Reese was like, you know what, I probably overreacted, ha ha ha, like none of that, <laughs> like she needed to have that like consequence to like what she did, like I feel like that fear of like, did I just screw up and like lose my sister, like 
I'm, I'm sorry, if you do something that painful, you should be thinking of it that way. Because there are going to be times when people do just cut you out of your life completely and say like, we're done. Don't ever talk to me. You're dead to me. Figure it out. Like, I, I cut people out. I'm sorry. So maybe that's me being cold, but like. Go live in the human yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, that was the other threat. So like, yeah, she should be like really thinking through how her behaviors could potentially cause that kind of reaction. Like, you don't get to be that way. Anyway, so I was glad that she finally like did break down those barriers, you know, and like admitted everything after like attending. Also, like, you know, she hates that stuff. So it was kind of funny that she had to like, just like carry through and like hike and all this crap, like, which later on turned out to be pretty good for her also. So, it's easy. Yeah, yeah I was just agreeing. Yeah, I, um, by the end of the whole walking to the lake thing, I appreciated it. But while we were on that walk, I was like, I, this is torture for me. Like, I hate this. But she was in such a bad place that, like, I think what actually broke her down was when he did start talking nicely to her and she's like, stop it. I don't deserve you to be nice. Just stop. And then that's like, I think that's when she talked about the fire mm -hmm. fire problem. And he's like, thank you for sharing that with me and all that stuff. So yeah, it was, it, it surprises me because in my mind, this happened much earlier because it is kind of like the big breakthrough, but there's been like a lot of little breakthroughs until this moment. Um, but it, I guess it didn't happen as early as I thought it did. I really liked that scene where they talked because I mean this whole thing was kind of the culmination at the very beginning of the book where she was pushing everyone away and Cassie was like is that what you want for everyone to fucking hate you well congratulations everyone fucking hates you and we hate you like even me I fucking hate you and that was like although she acted like it wasn't anything it was actually very painful to her to hear that as as it, as it would be you know <laughs> it was actually very painful so I I feel like this was kind of the culmination of the like self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone will hate me was her moment in the desert. And she was like, this is what I deserve. And then luckily had that breakthrough of, it's not what you deserve. It's not what anyone deserves. And had her moment with Cassian, which was really nice. And that whole conversation was really good. And she finally talked about it. She finally talked about why she hates fire. She finally talked about what she sees when she goes to sleep at night. Um, and the horrible things she relives. So that was a really, really good part of the book. So, and I mean, was Reese right to decide he was finally going to kill Nesta? No. Do I think that he actually would have done it? No, not at all. But, you know, I think that in that moment, he was like, get her away from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far away as you can. I don't want to see her. I don't want to hear about her for like a week. And I think that was where casting was like, we're going to stay out here for a little bit. And it was kind of like, well, great. I could use a nest of free week in my life. So that's actually great for me. <laughs> and, um, and meanwhile, Asriel on his own was conducting the training with um, all everyone. So the trainings were still going on, which I feel like it's important to note that just because <clears throat> Nesta disappeared, that didn't mean that the women from the library stopped training. They continued training, uh, which is, I think, really important. So because um, that means it was for them and not just for to like, do something cool with Nesta. Um, and so uh, I think we should talk about the dancing with Eris a little bit. I don't really want to. 
I mean, we can do it quickly. I mean, basically, they need him to be a, an ally. Well, he is an ally, but they want to secure the allyship. And Elaine has brought up the story about how she's a great dancer, and she basically secured the love of a dude, but she didn't really want that dude, and whatever, basic Nesta stuff. Um, <laughs> and it kind of cracked me up because I feel like that story came halfway through the book. And then we find out that her love is music. And I don't think we knew anything about that in the first three. And then the music comes kind of important, which it just makes me laugh that it came so late in the book. Anyway, so basically Reese is like, oh, well, let's just sex you up. Let's get you all hottie toddy. Let's teach you our dances. And then you're going to secure him, basically. Um, And it kind of makes me laugh that everyone is like, okay, yeah. Except I think maybe Farah and definitely Cassian. Um, <laughs> Cassie was Cassian's a- very good, yeah. but she pretty much right away she's like, okay, yeah, I'll make him, I'll make him bag. It's fine. Um, and then she works with Moore on the dances, and Moore's helping her and being nice. And they don't like become friends or anything, but they definitely, I think it, they don't hate each other, you know. And I think by the end they maybe sure. A nice moment at some point but anyway that's neither here nor there so then they get to is it the what party is it it's not the winter solstice but it's about the winter solstice i think yeah i think it's like the maybe like the official pre-solstice party and there's like a lot of parties there's they're fancy they do parties (laughs) they go to the party at the court of nightmares place um she dances with him and he's like super bought in 100% bought into it and he's like yeah this is my girl and then Cassian is Cassian and like <laughs> bumps him out and then I think while they're dancing uh Reese lets him into his brain so he can or you know his mind or whatever so he can hear the conversation about how Eris is like okay let me marry Nesta and then I'll be on your side um and Reese gives him the magic sword that Nesta had made Mm-hmm. which I think Cassian was more upset about it than Nesta was. He's like, why are you giving him my sword? I think it was the dagger. Right? Was that her, yeah. That's right. One of her things, yeah. Um, I think Cassian basically, was mad. <laughs> what? I think Cassian was more mad about it. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. Um, Nesta didn't really seem to care that they were <laughs> basically like, yeah, you can marry her. Probably because she knew they weren't going to actually make him marry her. Right. But she does use that later against him now that I think about it. She's like, I'll just marry him. But yeah. she says it to make him mad, I think. She says it to hurt him later. Yeah, she's like pretty mad, mean to Cassie in a lot of this book. Um, she calls him like a bastard board, whatever, more than once. And, you know, yeah. and then she's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll just marry Eris because we're both terrible people. <laughs> and I don't yeah. deserve anyone good. So I'll just be with him. la di da di da and Cassie's not about that. Um, and then they get, they do do the winter solstice. Yay, the real one, the real yeah, one at the fair. The comforting one. <laughs> and I like that, like, it's so small of a detail, but it was like the first time that she saw her room that Feyre designed for her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I never put any input into this, but she did a really good job of like everything I would want in here. And I had a theory that did not pan out true about the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it didn't pan out true, but also I kind of wish I had, because my theory was that the house helping Feyre, because everyone was like, well, that's weird. The house doesn't do that. But Feyre is a diamante, 
And I was like, what if it's Feyre being the house? Because Nesta's pushing her away and won't let her in. But if Nesta thinks that it's the house, she'll let Feyre help her. Um, And so I like the idea that it was Feyre helping Nesta. um, And and then I wanted it to be like a reveal later that Feyre was that, like the house isn't sentient, like Feyre is the house. um, And your friend that you made was Feyre all along. but that's not what happened. The house was actually magical. <laughs> I, just, I also liked that idea because I was like, you know, I feel like they could be friends if Nesta would like allow that kind of relationship to bond. Like, I think they would be like realize how much they actually do have in common. You know what I mean? So I felt like I liked that idea of like her unknowingly becoming friends with her sister who was helping her all along like, in whatever little way she could. You know what I mean? It was kind of like a nice way for her to still kind of be, get to be involved in her help. Um, but not like in an intrusive way, um, but it wasn't, and that's okay. Um, but I liked Winter Solstice. I felt like it was nice because this was one that she actually chose to come to. I mean, she didn't really have a choice, but also like the other one, it was like she got bribed with like rent money essentially from Feyre, so it was like mm-hmm. a better standing for her to show up to. Um, and she got some nice gifts not from everybody, but like all in all, it was a, it was a good time. She enjoyed it. Um, I'm kind of. I know we're running out on time here. Um, so I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm trying to wrap up a little bit here. Um, but basically, like, all in all, I think Winter Solstice is kind of, like, not a big deal outside of, like, Elaine still ignores Lucian, which makes me sad for Lucian just because, like, he puts all this effort into, like, trying to be there. Like, he shows up at the holidays. He gets her a gift. She ignores his gift and doesn't get him anything. Like, she's just cruel in a way that's unnecessary. Um... I know Susie doesn't love her, and this is the moment that I don't, I don't love her. Either, just because I feel like she's being an asshole in her own way. So I'm hoping maybe in the next book we'll get more of her, um, and maybe okay. she I, next. I haven't read the Asriel scene. I'm sure it has something to do with her, too. I really don't want the next book to be about her. Like, I want the next book to be about, sure, Asriel and somebody else, mm-hmm. or more and Emery, yeah. or just more. <laughs> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, we'll come back to that. But yeah, um, I think we're all but, there. Yeah. But then um, you're probably getting there. But the big thing that happens is the conversation with Cassian afterwards, because he didn't want to give her present in front of everybody. So he sneaks up <laughs> in a room. Oh, she doesn't sneak up on her. That sounds creepy. But he comes to her room and gives her the present. And it's like this sweetest thing. It's this um, magical, I don't know what it is. It's a magical music box. And he... Not only is it a magical music box, but he had to literally go to the people that played the music. So the orchestra from the party the night before and all of her favorite bars to have them play and record the music, which is the best part. And she's like blown away. Um, And I think she says she can't take it because it's such a big deal. And then this is probably, I would think, I'm trying to think what else happens, but I think this is like the big breakdown. Like after this meltdown, of um basically we find out she doesn't she's pushing him away because she doesn't think she deserves him that's one and b he tries to bring out the whole mate thing and she doesn't want to say it because um at one point she's like that's like my last vestige of being a human (laughs) like mates are not a human thing like we get married we fall in love but we don't have mates and if i say you're my mate then it's done like my human side is fully gone that life's gone. And also 
I have to be with you, which I want, but you, I don't deserve you. Um, and then they have sex and everything's fine, basically. They have so sex. there's more to it than that. Almost like become mates in that moment where like they like promise each other like forever and forever or something like that, right, Ashley? He accepts the mating bond during that moment. Like, so the, that conversation about them not being mates actually happens like later, like a week later, because like, so they bang, she accepts the mating bond. I shouldn't say bang because it's like romantic. This is like the first romantic really hookup between them, I feel like. Um, but they promise each other forever and it's like a whole thing. And then the next day, Cassie wakes up and is like late to the annual snowball fight. See you later. And he just like takes off. And I was like, what are you doing? You know, uh, but he had realized that they were mates for sure. A hundred percent mating bond accepted. That's um, right. And he got scared. Yeah. <laughs> and so he ran away to go snowball fight with Reese and Azriel. Um and left her alone and then he was like well I've got to do Illyrian Mountain stuff so he just like was gone for a week and then he came back and then that's when they had that conversation um I think they were like walking on the like by the cedra or something and I would like to say that her gift we found out what the gift was that was thrown in the cedra because that tortured me that we didn't know what it was and it was like some super rare beautiful book that he had procured for her because he thought she would enjoy it because he's so sweet. And instead, he, and he was like, I regret chucking it in the Cedra. And I was like, no kidding, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so at that point, when they had that conversation about the mating thing is when she was like, I want you to leave me alone for a week or whatever. She was like, or until I come talk to you first. So she, she basically wanted time to process the mate thing and you know she was like if i come to you before the week is over fine but if not give me a week to myself and then you can come and find me or whatever but she didn't word it very well as a fey person so he was like i've got to tell her a better way to get around fey bonds yeah you know? kind of like a loophole <laughs> yeah and so um so yeah so he was like i'll give her the night and then i'll show up tomorrow morning and so that was kind of the plan and he did but then she got kidnapped. Yeah. Um, so they, can I say something real quick? Yes. Um, so a, a while ago, they had like their first um, sleepover in the library house, House of Wind with the other two girls. They made bracelets. Mm-hmm. Yes. They made the bracelets, um, which was obviously happening at that moment. Um, and anyway, so for this night, I don't remember what, oh, it was because she was hurt by something. Uh, like, well, maybe it was just because um, the moment with Cassie. And so she needed a friend. Mm -hmm. So she went to Emery's mm -hmm. and then Gwen showed up, which is a huge deal because Gwen is like, she doesn't leave the library for the last two years. Right. And it made me so sad. I didn't even think, I didn't think that anything was gonna happen. But the moment that we found out something was happening, I was like, you motherfuckers, you leave Gwen alone. Like, I was so upset for her. I mean, Emmy too, but especially Gwen. Um, yeah. And I loved the slumber party. We didn't talk about the slumber party yet, but that was just like such a pure moment of friendship. I just really loved it. Like, casting was like out the of the house. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, casting was out of town, and Nesta was like, let's have a slumber party, you know? <laughs> and it was amazing. And the house, like, made like a unicorn and like bubble bass and it just seemed lovely. It was super it fun. Was, 
it was really fun. I really enjoyed that part of the book too. So yeah. and like during that, I was afraid something bad was gonna happen because I was like, this is too pure. So yes. So this was the part where like you said, they all went to Emory's and had another just like girls' night. It was a huge deal that Gwen left the library that she felt safe enough to be somewhere else for the night. And of course they get kidnapped in the night. <laughs> and when they wake up, they are in well, Nesta's alone, but she very quickly assesses that she is in the blood right because earlier, like a week before, um, during their training, Cassian and Azrael had been setting up all these different obstacle courses for them to go through, and they'd never been able to get through one. Um, and so they finally got through one and they celebrated. And then as they celebrated, they realized that there were a bunch of Illyrian men watching them. And Cassian was like, you guys just completed the challenge for the blood right. Um, so that the Illyrian warriors have to complete to get into the blood right. And so he basically used that as a way to show the Illyrian jackasses that women could train and could compete or whatever. Not that they wanted to compete in the blood right, um, but that women could do so. And that essentially their prejudices were holding all the Illyrian women back. Um, so it was payback for the women having the audacity to train and the audacity to want to be in the blood right, although that's not what they wanted at all. Um, they kidnapped them to punish them and threw them in the blood right where they would surely be killed um, by all the other Illyrian men warriors and probably much worse before they were killed. Um, and there's no magic allowed in the blood right. You're not allowed to bring weapons into the blood right. And just like what happened to Reese, Cassian, and Azriel when they did their blood right, they were all separated. So they were all dropped in different places. So Nesta woke up first, and luckily she was still wearing her bracelet, which, as Susie said, she had made. Um, and that was basically it, though. And she wakes up first, luckily, uh, sl around sleeping Illyrian men, <laughs> and realizes what has happened, and that there's no way out. And we back, we go back and forth with Cassian a little bit, trying to like figure out a way to get her out. There's no way out. So if Cassine were to go save her from the blood right and pull her out, they would both be killed. They would be hunted down and killed. Even Reese can't stop it. He can't do anything. So uh, they're basically stuck in there. So they either, they just need to survive essentially until the blood right ends is the goal. Um, but that's a while and it's very dangerous. So she immediately, she kind of like realizes that her bracelet is like glowing in one direction more than the other direction. And she takes that as the sign that the bracelet's trying to get her towards one of either Gwen or Emery, one of the other women, because she knows they were dropped too. Um, and she immediately stumbles upon weapons that had been unfairly placed within the challenge by other Illyrian males trying to cheat their way through. Um, <laughs> and uh, this begins. Does someone else want to talk? Sure. So she um, was trying to be as quiet, like she's in her nightgown, by the way, like they're not dressed for this. I feel like the men are all like in their like Illyrian gear passed out. I think that's just what they sleep in. But these girls are like in like a nightgown. Like that's like the, it's cold up on this mountain and you got men. So you got to worry about the rape action, like great. Um, so she wakes up and she's trying to be. And you have to imagine that the men all chose to be in the blood, right? Yeah. 
know, all these men that are there, they purposely are there on purpose. They want to participate in the blood rite. So that's probably why they're in their Illyrians. Blood they, they, they know what's going to happen. Like, they know what's going to happen. You get drugged, you get thrown to the mountain, you pass out, you wake up, you fight. Um, so anywho, so yeah, so she like wakes up and she's like trying to be like stealthy and she finds a weapon. I think she grabs a knife or something. Anyway, but another man wakes up too. Um, maybe it was when she was trying to get to the knife. Either way, she ends up having to fight they him. They see it at the same time. Yeah. yeah, and they like fall off a cliff and he dies. <laughs> yeah, like so she kills him, which is good. Thank goodness she's able to do that. Cause she ends up stealing his clothing, which is way too big for her. But it's at least better than what she's wearing. You know what I mean? Um, so at least she's in something. And the shoes are too big, but once again, better than barefoot. <laughs> Let's just yeah. feel. Um, so now she's following the glowy thing. And she does eventually stumble upon um, where Emery's at. Um, and she, I'm trying to remember, she finds her, like, there's, like, a perch with, like, all the men. She's trying to be, like, really stealthy. And she discovers, like, Emery is, like, wounded, like, passed out next to this river. And then she overhears that the men say, like, they tried to get her. And she, like, went down the river and disappeared. They assume she's dead. But she discovers, like, her, like, next to the river, like, down the way, like, with, like, a bash on her head. So she's like, shit. So she, like, has to, like, scale down. she's in the river. Yeah, she's in the river. Okay. She's, in my mind, it's, there's, like, a tree branch, and she's, like, hooked on the tree branch in the river. That's just how I picture it. Like, the guys can't see her, I feel like. Yeah. But, like. Yeah, they think she's dead. Yeah, they think she's dead. They don't know where she went off, but, like, she's able to spot from her little vantage point. So she has to be very, like, carefully like navigate going down she also at this point is like picked up like a bow and arrow like she's picked up a couple weapons um and so she like is able to like go down the river and she like tries to hook her up and she ends up having to like i think get rid of something but she's able to like drag her out of the river and um was trying to keep her warm um i'm trying to remember maybe she's like put her clothing on her yeah, I think she, like, totally takes off her clothes, right, and then, like, gives them to her, and then, and then, then shows up, right? Yeah, and then another guy shows, well, she's looking for a cave, I think, she's like, wait, yeah. let's look for a cave, um, and then that guy shows up and helps her, um, and he's like, I'm not gonna kill you, it's fine, you're, you're not what I care about, um, and then he's like, in the morning, every, there's gonna be a lot of dead people, so you'll be able to find clothes for your friend, um, and I think he even helps her carry her into the cave and mm-hmm. like, they have a fire and whatever. Um, and then he just pieces out in the morning, which is fine. Yeah. At least he didn't try to kill him. He was decent, I guess. They yeah. did not kill each other. So like that was a little... Yeah. yeah. And then I think at this point they just decide to go after Gwen because they're, both of their bracelets are like telling them to go after Gwen. Mm-hmm. Um, they go, they see her nightgown, they assume the worst, they see a group of guys, which includes Emery's cousin guy that threatened her. Um, they try to go in there, and then the guys are like, ah, it's a trick, we don't actually have her, just found her nightgown, uh, but now we're gonna kill you and do whatever we want with you and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Gwen comes in. What? But then a monster comes in. That's right. And kills all of the men. And the Emery and Nesta are able to get away. And they find Gwen. And Gwen's like, I brought the monster. Yeah. I love that. I love how 
I was, we we're all very nervous about Gwen given, you know, yeah. she's with the library and the trauma she's gone through. And then I, I thought it was great when we found Gwen, like she's actually been doing okay. Like yeah. she immediately like got rid of her nightgown because she knew that'd be a liability and she found other clothes and she's just been hiding out and she's like, oh, I saw you guys. So I dragged a monster here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she's like doing pretty good. Um, and so they decided at that point to continue their way to the mountain, which is, is it Ramuel? Is that the name of the mountain? Yeah, I think so. Ramuel. Yes, my mouth. Yeah. So they're going to go there um, because that's, like, if you get to the top, like Cassie, Nazareth, and Reese did, then you win the whole thing. But really, like, even getting there, you get, like, a title. And, like, that's what that one guy that didn't kill Nesta and Emery, he was like, I'm not here to kill people. He's like, I just want the title. Like, not yeah. necessarily the title of winning, but just getting to certain levels, you get different titles, which are different statuses in the Illyrian world. And he was like, I just want to get to X titles so I can say I've done it. And, you know, status-wise, pretty great for me. So, um, so there's still like, Emery's still kind of hurt. You know, she's not all the way unhurt. Gwen's fine. Nessa's fine. Um, they are able to outsmart other people about bridges and things. So they do pretty good getting through. And the next thing we know, like they're climbing this mountain, like they've made it to the mountain and they're like, okay, well we can sit here and wait or we can try and climb this thing. Yeah, um, well they have that really great talk, which is one of my favorite parts of the book. They're like all strapped into a tree sleep. <laughs> well, they're not sleeping, but before they sleep and they, they all three go through their stories at that point and they're, I think Gwen is the one that's the first to say, like, let's, let's go, let's do it. Let's make it to the top. So I don't know, that's, that's one of my favorite moments in the book is when they decide to go make it to the top. Me too. Like so it's pretty good. So then they do, <laughs> they're like, okay, let's go. And one of their legs is hurt. I think it's- Gwen gets shot with an arrow in her thigh. Oh, that's right. So they're- basically carrying her right like they have to help her up and so it's clearly really hard they're super close to the top when they see another group of guys and it's the cousin guy I don't he doesn't deserve a name um but <laughs> the mean cousin guy and I think so they um Nesta decides to stay there's a lot of like world building we found out about this rock and like why it's called this, but you've read the book, you know it. Um, so uh, she gets the two girls to go without her and Gwen is like, no, she's like, I'm not going to go because, um, well, for obvious reasons, but also I feel like Gwen had just confessed her whole story thinking that they would hate her because she let her sister die. I'm using air quotes. She clearly did not let her sister yeah. die. Mm -hmm. um, and I did, part of me, I knew Nesta was going to do this, but part of me is like, don't you see what this means to her? Poor Gwen thinks like, she thinks she's leaving you to die. So anyway, Nesta like does the Vulcan thing on her neck and like makes her fall asleep. She has Emery carry her to the top. Yeah, she just knocks Gwen out and it's like, Emery, you got this. <laughs> she's like, Emery, go. And Emery has no problem with it. She's like, yeah, let's go. She's she's going to hate you, but yeah, we'll do this. So then Nesta stays behind and she keeps looking up and seeing them make progress. The group of men comes and she completely kills everybody except for the one guy because he's like, I'm content to let you waste your time. So he comes up, and I think during this talk, we find out that all the weapons were placed, or placed by them, but Braylon was the one that had them place all the weapons, and 
probably gave them the idea to bring her into the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll let somebody else take over. So the, we also find out that the cousin who is acting weird and kind of drunk is actually also somewhat like alliance with her. I don't know if he's like necessarily under yeah, the influence, but he's yeah. been working with her. You know, yeah. No, we can't. Like she's using the crown on him. Oh yes, the crown. Yes. The crown is okay. Mind control. Yeah. So um, anyway, they start fighting it out, um, and eventually Queen Breland and Cassian show up. Mm -hmm. Which this whole thing happened, but basically she's straight with like she basically kidnapped Cassian and mind controlled him. So we're skipping that little other tidbit. Okay. They read the book. <laughs> yeah. And so basically she's now telling him that he needs to kill um, Nesta. And so of course it's like he's un like unable to control himself. Like you can see it in his eyes that he's like trying to like fight it, but like he can't because of this mind control. And so um, of course like Nesta's devastated. And I'm trying to remember, he basically ends up like overpowering the strength to kill himself and so he like stabs himself and falls over and Nesta like of course like wails and like freaks out and I, I think around this point the time changes too so she gets her full power back maybe like so like oh yeah because Gwen and Gwen and Emery go they win they and the then the dawn comes and they like basically like peace out you know they're like sucked away and they're safe and everything but now she's got her full power and she ends up like turning on Queen Breland and it doesn't matter how strong she is, like she's able to like full like death god like suck her power away from her. Yeah, she just like unmakes her. She's just a yeah. pile of ashes. That's exactly it. That's a great way. Yes. She unmakes yeah. her. So she ruins that and then she finds out that Cassian is in fact no longer under mind control and not dead. He's smart. Smart cookie. And so, thankfully, they're safe, and they peace out of the place because, Ashley, go ahead. Oh, and they have the crown now. And they have the crown now. You're correct. Yes. Yep. So, that's good. So, now they've got all three treasure trove items. And so, they end up all, like, including uh, Gwen and Emery, end up at the river house or wherever, I think, um, <laughs> and kind of sort through some stuff. And oh, also, like, I think Ass had shown up and taken them, and, and it was just, like, like, it's not good. Um, you know, Feyre is going into labor, and they're like, whoa, like, it's too soon. And she's like, she's been bleeding. Like, it's really bad. So they show up, and, like, the house reeks of blood, and it's, like, horrible because, like, obviously they've not found a solution yet, and this labor isn't going to go well. Um, and so Nesta is, of course, very upset, you know, to find, to see her sister, and she can tell, like, not going well and she gets like kind of a progress update um and I'm trying to remember you want to go over Ashley yeah I can talk about Inspire I'm really sorry yeah so um Fair is dying like there's no there's no other way around it like it's not yeah. the report is that Fair is dying they can't get the baby out the baby's stuck um she's just bleeding out um uh, detail we haven't touched on, which <laughs> Amron was really mad when she found out, which is that in the prior books, Reese and Feyre had made a promise that oh, yeah. when one of them dies, they both die. So it's not just that Feyre will die or Feyre and the baby will die. It's that Feyre's death will also take out Reese. And there's nothing that anyone can do to stop it. So uh, Reese is just like, he, helpless, you know, standing there helpless. Um, the 
the medical person is trying to do everything she can, but it's not working. And everyone's just watching the trauma unfold essentially. And so Nesta calls upon her power and she calls upon the death drove. And suddenly she's wearing the crown, the mask, and she's holding the sword or the harp, sorry, not the sword, the harp. And she calls upon the full power of the death drove because the harp can undo has the power of like changing time, whatever. But she basically strums all the strums and asks the mother goddess to, hey, you know, help save my sister. And she promises to give all of her power back. She'll give all the cauldron power back. She doesn't care. She doesn't want it. Just save Feyre. And so she basically makes a deal with a higher power to not only give back her cauldron power, but to save Feyre. And she goes over and she like touches Feyre. And also they've gotten the baby out at this point. And the baby is too small because it was it was undeveloped. So Moore's holding the baby. The baby's dying um, because it's not going to live because um, it's born too early. And so Nesta touches Feyre and it like creates a link to the baby as well. And suddenly the baby is healed to full term. Feyre is healed. And everyone's just watching this happen. It's basically like she's frozen. She's stopped time basically. She's like frozen time um, to do all of this. And she's crying and like, this is, I feel like another breakthrough moment for Nesta um, to make this sacrifice to save her sister and her family. So then boop, uh, all is completed. All the trove items kind of fall discarded to the ground and suddenly fair is alive <laughs> and the baby is okay and it's just a miracle Reese is and, fine too. what'd you say so, and reese is fine too because he they were like in their like moment of like i think she'd almost seen death arrive at the scene kind of thing so it was like moments seconds away so she stopped time at the right moment thankfully right and she also in the meantime of making her deals um, changed her uterus and Feyre's uterus to be able to accommodate ring, wings of their Thalerian uterus. So that way, if either of them have children again, like, totally fine, no issues there. Yeah, very smart. I thought it was quite interesting that she didn't do that to Elaine, but we'll come back to that, in a, I guess, in a minute. That was <laughs> in the, choice. That's about to be in the theory section. So yes, yeah, so she changes, physically changes Fair's anatomy so that if she wants to have kids in the future, she can, it won't kill her. She changes her anatomy, which is good because at one point Cassian had referenced that he wanted kids. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that Ness is your mate and that's going to be bad. Um, so she changed both their anatomies. Um, she has saved the day and Reese is eternally grateful. I think Reese like falls on his knees in front of her or something and thanks her. Uh, which is a big deal because Reese gets on his knees for no one but Farah. Um, <laughs> this is their moment that they finally like kind of heal their relationship. Yeah, I, the two of them. I think it heals our relationship. Probably, I hope with the whole court basically at this I point. I would like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. And then she she kind of leaves to let them have their moment and goes outside with Cassian. And then I think they agree to get married. They have like a and their yeah. mating ceremony. Yeah. Mating ceremony. Um, oh, oh, I do. I want to say one thing. I know we're trying to wrap it up, but one of my favorite things, uh, just one of my least favorite tropes in all movies, TV things is um, when people are like super in love and they're like, I don't need a wedding. Like, let's just elope. You know what? That works for a lot of people. That's fine. It didn't work for me. Like, I love 
crazy weddings. You guys were at my wedding. It's not expensive. We had no money, but I love elaborate weddings. And I am so happy that Nesta was like, give me the elaborate shit. (laughs) It made me so happy because I was like, please don't just go elope or whatever. They don't have eloping. It's mating or whatever, but it made me really happy that she's like, give me all the shit. And Reese is like, you saved our lives. Here's all the shit. Right. Here's extra shit. Here's all the sprinkled cupcake flowered shit that you want. Well, and it was um, funny too. She was like raining her with gifts constantly that she had to be like, stop giving me shit. And yeah. she like, was like, you just do my wedding. He was like, got you. Like, yeah. it's going to be better. Like, it's going to be the best. World. Yeah. We'll even believe it. And, um, and he gives her the house of wind. Yes, he does. He's like, that could be yours. I don't even like it. It's yours now. You've made yes. friends with it somehow. I didn't know. You've possible. made the friend, the house a friend. Yeah. <laughs> we will use it for meetings and random shit like that. But besides yeah. that, like, it's yours. Have it's sex right. everywhere. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Azrael's like, I've got to move. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be there anymore. I'm going to be the roommate. <laughs> Awkward. So, yeah. So that's basically the end of the book. And it's pretty good. And I agree that it makes sense that Nesta would want a big wedding because she always thought she was going to marry a prince. That is a reoccurring theme in this book. Um, that she was supposed to marry a prince. That's what her mom was like grooming her for this whole time. And I have theories. We're going to get into that theory time. Eight minutes, go. Here we go. Theory time. So Reese Pryor, Amron brought up, and I think I talked about this, the idea oh, that- I Reese, don't want this. I know what you're going to say, and I don't want this to come to fruition, but go ahead. Reese be king of all of Printhian right now. He is not. They haven't had a king in a long time, and- uh, Amron was like, the death trove items have found you and only you. And if they don't, if you don't choose the destiny ahead of you, they will choose someone else. Reese hates this idea. He barely likes being a high lord. He really doesn't want to be king and he doesn't want people to have to kneel to him. But also the most reluctant kings generally make the best kings, which is something Amron says as well. So that's just kind of left out there. But if Reese did become king and Cassian and Azrael are his brothers, would they not be princes? Would Nesta not have married a prince? Boom. I don't know. Two, theory time. Elaine and Az is stupid, and I don't like it. I'm sorry if you ship them. I know there's a lot of Az and Elaine shippers. This book cemented my idea that this is not the way it's supposed to be. Because if it were, wouldn't Nesta have changed Elaine's uterus too? I feel like this was a giveaway. I feel like if anything, she should have changed Elaine's uterus. And then we would have more misdirect but instead she only changed hers and Feyre's so if Elaine ends up with Azrael she could just die in childbirth also Elaine is mated to Lucian who is high Fey, um, and not Lyrian also Gwen seems to heavily be a good mate material for Az and in the Az excerpt that Susie hasn't read yet it heavily hints to that as well that's it yay it's, uh, oh, it's so so there were bonus chapters in the Barnes and Noble editions, and then we all got the recent favorite one, and that was like whatever. It was cute, but it really didn't get us anywhere. It definitely didn't give us any ideas. The one about As is a flashback essentially to his experience the night of the winter solstice, and I don't want to spoil it for Susie, but essentially, you know, Reese tells him to to leave Elaine the fuck alone <laughs> because he'll cause drama politically with Lucian, who was there ally um and instead to um you know just leave her alone (laughs) and then it's very heavily hinted which i felt like there are many times in the book as well between him and gwen um 
And you will love it, Susie. It's you very love it. It, it works I, better than the recent failure one. So I'm much even happier now knowing that Gwen is involved. Because yeah, they I like that it was subtle at the times that because there there was like one time she lingered and looking at him and it could kind of be like, okay, does she like him or is she still traumatized because he's the one that saved her? So I I like that. Yeah. 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 That, so yeah. good. So I have a lot of fan art I will now send you, Susie, but, um, that I have acquired on Pinterest, but I am a Yay. huge ass and Gwen Shipper now. I would like the next book. Sarah J. Moss hasn't said who it's going to be about, but she said it's, it's pretty obvious in this book. So I think it's going to be more Az's book. And I'm hoping the main characters will be Az, Gwen. We need Elaine in there, but I'm hoping that in this storyline, Elaine will find Lucian because I want them to be happy together. Lucian's great. Yeah, yeah Elaine I like Lucian should be happy. She's not happy right now, you know. <laughs> right now we have a bunch of unhappy people. Yeah. Um, and we know that two of them are mated. So I'm hoping that this will kind of be Elaine's book as well, just to get that cemented with Lucian without really giving her her entire own book. Yeah. But I want it to be an as and Gwen book. I agree. And then I also feel like the other thing too is that Elaine, like, now that Nesta has felt the, the strength of the mate bond. Like she finally understands the pull between Reese and Vera and she gets it, right? Now she knows that her other sister happens to have this bond that she's like just straight avoiding like hardcore. And I think it's just once again, the same thing. Like this isn't a choice. It was like thrown at me and I don't want to deal with it. kind of the same like thing. Um, so I, I think that's partially why she didn't change the eaters because she was just like, thinks like she knows like she's going to like eventually come to terms with this and like see the potential relationship that she could have also the other thing too is um while i like elaine for the most part i do not feel like she is deserving of ass like as needs a strong woman like Feyre, and like he, he needs someone that is like can defend themselves fight be like a strong person all around and just that's just not elaine she's precious like Lucian can handle precious Elaine, like gardening and everything. Like that's his, yeah. like up his alley. Like, go ahead, Ashley. Back to Ashley's theory. So we have three minutes. So there's a point in this book that we didn't talk about because it doesn't matter. Where Nesta goes with Cassian to meet with Eris in the spring court. And then she also tells Tamlin to fuck off. And I enjoy yes. it. Love but it. it is clear in this book that Tamlin is not fulfilling his duties as a high lord. He is just in beast form roaming around like a little monster. And when Nesta gets there, she's like, Elaine would so much love the spring court. She would love it here. This would be the perfect place for Elaine. Well, if Tamlin were to abdicate High Lord to Lucian, who has no court, right? And then Lucian and Elaine are mates. Wouldn't that be great? Because then Elaine could be in the spring court, which is obviously where she belongs. Um, because she could just be surrounded by all the things that make her happy, etc. So my long-term endgame is for somehow... It doesn't need to be that Tamlin dies, but somehow Lucian becomes the High Lord of Spring Court. Maybe this will happen if Reese becomes High King. Maybe he would just kind of gift Lucian Spring Court for him and Elaine to have. Um, it just seems like that works out nice. Um, and that makes me happy. Also, more. Yep. We really didn't get a lot of more in this book, which no, is- No, we got no more. I love her. She was yeah. off doing political alliance stuff the whole time. Also in Frost and Starlight, something was watching her and she didn't know what it was. And we never yeah. found out what it was in this book. Um, mysteries. So I don't think, I want more, I do want more of more, more of more in this next book, but I don't want it to be Moore's book. I want more to have her own book because Moore deserves her own book. And I'm shipping more in Emery. Same. 
because there's a moment where the Moore goes to the library and everybody sees Moore and she gets all flushed and yeah. she's like, I forget how beautiful she really is. And I was like, she is. She is Emory. I now ship you. It was immediate shipping. Yep. So I would like that to happen. And I would like Moore and Emory to have their own book. And I don't really care. I just want to have a romance book between them. And maybe it can deal with whatever. Like Moore has secret lands that she lives on and something watches her. And she has a <laughs> Like, I don't know, but I kind of want whatever that is. I want to get Emery away from the mountains of Illyria. And, yeah, and she doesn't belong there. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't, she doesn't owe them anything. Like, she can definitely pick up her shop, live somewhere else in the Laris. I mean, like, she's got opportunities there. You know, there's no yeah. reason she needs to, to work there. They're both dreamers born into the court of nightmares. That's right. So, I am loving it. So, what would we rate this book? I'd, I'd say five. Yeah, I'll, I'll say 4.75, just because I don't think I've rated anyone anything that. Oh, okay. okay. Once we do math, I won't do. But I'm giving it five stars. I'll, I'll round up to five. <laughs> I mean, Victor and I just liked Nesta the most. I feel like she did have a fine, like, a good character arc. It took a while. It took a long while. There was still parts of it that I was like, she's driving me absolutely bonkers. But I feel like she finally, like, dealt with her demons and became a decent human being. And I'm hoping... And the other books, like if she shows up and stuff, like she's still on that path of like being a kinder person. And I also like that, like she has her little friends. She understands the closest with like Feyre and like as and like the whole group there. And Elaine has her two little friends. I forget what they are. You know what I mean? So oh, the like race people. Yeah, right? exactly. yeah. So it's like they all kind of created their own little like friendship bonds and stuff. So it's like nice that she finally has her own like sisters. You know, like. Yeah that aren't like blood you know so it was good her found family yeah family. So, <laughs> so yeah so thank you guys for joining us Susie I know we are at time um but join us next uh time we post when we're going to read Caravel next the Caravel series and hopefully fingers crossed we will find out soon that this next uh book in the Accord of Thorns and Roses series will be about Az and Gwen and read the read the scenes read the ass scene. That would be my suggestion to everyone who hasn't read it yet. So it's very good. <laughs> so thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.